Hello, and welcome to episode 58 of Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the man, the myth, the magician, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. I've done no research or scientific study, but I'm pretty sure the color teal was invented in the 1990s. All right. On this week's episode, (laughs) (laughs) breeze right past that, we're going to be discussing uh, an Alec Baldwin retraction, uh, the movie I Think We're Alone Now, Halloween trailers, Spider-Man ripped apart years later. We'll get into that. It'll be fun. And movies I watched this week, all before diving into our flick of the week, The Prestige. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Uh, before we get into what we're drinking, I'm sorry. Are you going to talk about just... Teal? Are you going to talk about the color itself? Real, real quick. <laughs> and pull up the Wikipedia page on Teal? So what happened was um, right before we got on air, everyone who's listening, um, I shared a fun story with Anthony, uh, which was a little snapshot into the crazed wilderness that is my psyche. Uh, this is another snapshot that we can share on air. And what it's about is, for some reason, as I was stepping out of the shower, I thought, why was there so much teal in the 1990s? Now, I don't know what exactly made me think of that. In fact, I'm quite sure I can never come close to how I made that Revelation in my mind. Um, <laughs> I wasn't thinking about any teal or any colors for that matter. Um, but there it was, popped right up into my head. And I was thinking about it. There was a lot of like sports jerseys in the 90s that had teal that no longer have it. And okay. I can't think of any before the 90s that had it. And so then I came to my very um, important obvious, <laughs> obvious it, reasoning. <laughs> it, important and obvious thesis that uh the color teal was invented in the 1990s there's no way to know i love <laughs> things like that when you have like when you have one of those thoughts and you just express it i mean it's it's a lot more fun when you're with somebody and you say it or you say something and you know they're thinking where did that come from but do you ever play the game where you just you just explain to the person what was going on in your head that you got there i, Kim yeah, and I do this all the time it's I like think a, she'll give you the i've look. done that on the <laughs> Where'd you go? I where, think I've done that on the show once or twice. Yeah, you, you have. You have. That's true. I can't tell you how I got there this time. I, I, because the thing is, that's concerning. It was such a ridiculous thing for me to think about that I tried to do the self-reflection to figure out how I got there, and I, I cannot. It's like you know how there was this whole thing where they said like, in the the nineties and early two thousands, uh, one of the reasons we hadn't gone back to the moon was that we like forgot how to do it. Hmm. Like that's a that's a real thing. Like they like lost the science and math of how to construct. Like they, can, we they, just, can we pause there for a second on lost the science? Because yeah. that's a terrifying notion. Right? <laughs> that, um, that's what's going to happen when archives disappear. Yeah, no, so that was like a real thing. Like they could do new math and create a new thing mm-hmm. that would go, but it wasn't going to be as efficient as the admittedly very inefficient things that we did. Sure. Like they literally couldn't like do it again, cost effectively, cost effectively in quotes. Right. Like they basically it, like it's ten. I'm I'm definitely being reductive on this, but it's tantamount to them forgetting how to do it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of funny and terrifying. And it is. Uh, I was always very confused by that. And, what, okay, what uh, in time the same way, was the shower? <laughs> uh, it was like thirty minutes before we got on the call. Okay, so it's not like you're half asleep. No, 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 no. Did you black fact, out? Have you been drinking? Well, not yet. Good for you. <laughs> Speaking of drinking, uh, this week's beer. This week's that beer. was a great. 
It was a great segue by me. Um, Fiddlehead Brewing Company's Second Fiddle Double IPA. This is one pint of India Pale Ale, as nice. it so helpfully says on the can. Yeah, I love that. This is another of the Vermont beers, of which we've had a few, and I, we have at least one more to do. Um, this I got while I was up in Stowe. I was looking at the address of the brewery, 6305 Shelburne Road, Shelburne, Vermont, and I was like, I know where that is. That's not very far at all from where I used to live in Vermont. Nice. It's probably 15, 20 minutes away. Um, this is, as I said, a double IPA. I don't have IBUs for you, but... I can tell you that it is 8.2% alcohol by volume. There it is. There it is. Cheers. Uh, cheers to that. Cheers. Clinkies. I got, oh, thank you. Thanks for the, thanks for the actual clink. I've only got, I'm only working with a thud over here. I don't have. I got uh, you. I have a, a bottle sitting on hand, so I put it within my reach. I will say that was one of the most satisfying can cracks that we've had to date. Yes. We had it nice and synchronized. The pour came out well, because I think you were a little slow on the pour. But I got it just perfectly in the mic that I could hear it so perfectly in my own headphones. So yeah, that's going to come mean, out. This is a flat nice. operation because I didn't have the glass anywhere near me. That's what that was about. I was like, oh, good God. It's behind the water bottle behind the speaker on the right side of my desk. <laughs> it was tough. I knew there was something going on there. But it was yeah. tough for me to tell exactly what because I was trying to look at the distance between the microphone and the cup so I didn't knock the microphone over. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But also make sure that I was close enough that you could keep hearing it while also watching – the pouring of the beer to make sure I didn't spill any of it and seeing you frantically do something yeah. in the little picture in picture box that's up in the corner of my screen. Mm -hmm. It was too many things going on at once. I very much dove in head first. I was just like, let's do this. <laughs> and, you know, and, you, and you just start, you figure it out as you go. Um, but I, we got there. We, we poured it. The other problem that I had was, I don't know if you, I cracked it. And then while I was frantically trying to grab the glass, I must have been rotating the can in my hand. So by the time I got the glass, the opening of the can was just the wrong way. <laughs> but it's just over there, and I, you know, I had to do this crooked arm turn. Did you do the upside the down pour? That's I, dangerous. Uh, no, I did a little little sideways twist action. Okay. It worked out. It ended up becoming the perfect pour where the the head of the beer just came right above the top of the glass. See, mine was, was had a little bit too much head to it because while I cracked it. Uh, very nicely from an audio perspective. Um, it didn't crack all the way, so there was a lot of glugging going on as I poured it out, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which yeah. made for great sound effects. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Not great beer pouring, bit too much but head on the chair. This is what we do for the listener. It's all about them. That's not true. Uh, this this... <laughs> smells delightful. It does. It smells really good. It's it's very tasty. It's it's got a nice bitterness to it. I'm sorry, I'm just going to sit. You're going to hear me like Darth Vader like, inhaling. <laughs> it smells amazing. It is. It's it's quite nice. It's a beautiful color, too. Yes. Um, with enough clarity, but still just enough haziness. Tasteful haziness, if you will. <laughs> this is like a prototypical double IPA. It is perfectly bittered. Has a very nice aroma. Mm -hmm. Got a little, little bit of alcohol burn, but not that it's offensive. It's got a, like a like light to medium body. It's not super malty, but it's not crazy bitter. The malt balances the, the, the bitterness out perfectly. This is a very, very, very good beer if you like IPAs. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. Um, I don't remember 
so I know I've had this conversation with a few people and I, I have a few, I'm afraid one of them was once with you and even worse, it may have already been on the air. But are you familiar with what a fiddlehead is? No. Okay. Then I guess we haven't had this conversation. So Kim and I doing our grocery shopping and I come across these fiddleheads and I'm like, what in the goddamn hell is that? And I've been obsessed with them ever since, but just enough to not look too far into it because I want to kind of keep it a mystery to myself. <laughs> but it's this weird coiled thing that's on the can. Right oh, actually, we have talked about this, but it wasn't about this beer. Yeah, it's just it's just something that I found in the. Uh, in it wasn't the, in the on. Store. It wasn't on air. I think you, me, and your sister talked about ah, it at your okay. house. Okay, good. Well, that's great because I'm gonna I'm gonna read you this first this first line from Wikipedia, and then we're we're gonna stop there. We're not even gonna go into it. But somebody was having some fun when they wrote this because fiddleheads or fiddlehead greens are the furled fronds of young fern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember you reading that. <laughs> that that's, that's wonderful. Um, you go on to find out that it's like maybe cancerous. Not sure. Uh, but people saute them and put them on stuff. Anyway, they're a weird looking, they're a weird looking veggie. And I want to try them one day. <laughs> if I remember correctly, it was from Chinese cuisine mostly. French. French? I thought it was French, Chinese. Yeah. Not here, at least not what I don't I'm. Know why. Oh, hang on. There's more. There's more culinary uses. Yep, Asian, Indian. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice. Anyway, fiddleheads, strange on this beer. I have. I don't think they have anything to do with the actual beer. Just the name of the brewing company. Maybe but they have the region. fiddleheads growing in their yeah. like fields there. Mm-hmm. Could be. They're a wacky looking plant. You should go check those out. I it's typically very, very give strange. you guys a little color um, on this, but. There's nothing it's on not the can other, other than the very helpful one pint of India Pale Ale. Right. Um, and it did not come in a box. It had like the plastic ring thing on it. So I uh, uh, I do not have... Pack it in, pack it out? <laughs> What's that? What is that? I don't know. You got a little song going? It's did like it a did. weird like a weird twist on the, the House of Pain song. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Maybe there's like some sort of dispenser <laughs> somewhere <laughs> with this marvelous IBA sitting in it. Uh, I would buy that dispenser. I would as well. This is a this is a delight. I I appreciate this one now. So, do you have you have news? You have nuggets? You have notes? You got all? You got the top fully loaded. You got them all. You got the three ends there. That's beautiful. So let's start off with the the first thing here, which is really just. Real upsetting. Not because the story is upsetting. It's just a little frustrating when this happens. When you record an episode of a show, and then minutes, minutes after you're done recording, you read an article that debunks one of the stories that you had. (laughs) So uh, as soon as we signed off last week, I read an article that Alec Baldwin not going to be taking on the role of Thomas Wayne. (laughs) So just striking that from the record right here. But um yeah, he's not he's not into it. Nor he's not attached to it, nor has he ever been, um, is what he said. Guys, there was no retraction here because if you're relying upon us as your news outlet, your your priorities are not correct. <laughs> that's yeah, that's hundred percent accurate. And we're, also the t- we're the in no way a reporting outlet. <laughs> the timeliness of it would be also very bad. It would be like not even print news. It would be like using an encyclopedia for your news. <laughs> yeah, like the the logical thing to have done would be to just, you know, get a little follow-up on the article, a little tweet action. There's some inaccuracies in this previous episode, but we're not 
really going for accurate. We're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants here. <laughs> We're having fun. That's what this show's all about. You know that. You've gotten this far. We spent five minutes talking about fiddleheads. Twice. And several minutes talking about the color teal. Yeah. Didn't really get anywhere with that one, but <laughs> still, but it's there. Uh, put, well, you're not a big enough sports fan to, to discuss the teal jerseys of the 90s, so that's no, kind of I'll, the I'm end just of taking it at face value. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. It really didn't need to be a discussion, honestly. It was just something I thought of shortly before I walked down here to get on with the episode. It's like, and now I know what my opening is going to be. <laughs> nice, nice. So I've got a few more things here, four, four to be exact, before we get into our flick of the week, but... How do you want to do this? Do you want to do you want to go back and forth? Do you have enough? Do you have enough stuff yeah, we, to fill the time? We can alternate. I got a few right. things here. Hit me. Um, Hit me do with you one want of your ends? Do you want a news or do you want a nugget? I will take nugget for five hundred, Alec. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So a lot of times there are conversations, arguments about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Oh, this again. No, no, we've already established it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> but what I realized is that in the way that – so, like, you know, there's always – everyone talks about, uh, like, Jackie Robinson's the first integrated, you know, African-American player play in Major League Baseball. A lot of people forget he's Larry Doby, who shortly after him was the first American League player. He gets kind of left behind. Mm. And in the same way, we have Die Hard is a Christmas movie or is in a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah. But, but what we – seem to have been leaving behind is that Lethal Weapon is also a Christmas movie. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. So what happened was the other day, uh, you know, you and I are pretty similar, although maybe your habit on this has changed slightly, where I just put the TV on or the radio on or some music on or whatever hmm. behind in the background while I'm doing stuff. Yeah. And I had, for whatever reason, the end of Lethal Weapon 2 – before I got a chance to change the channel, because it was like it was over, it was in the middle of the day, I, I, and there was something else I wanted to put on. I, I don't even remember what it was. Um, Lethal Weapon One came on after Lethal Weapon Two. No, I cannot. That's bad that broadcasting. It sure is. And so what happened was the opening scene. It's been a long time since I've seen like the very opening scene of Lethal Weapon, and <laughs> Lethal Weapon showing, the like, Benjamin Button cut. <laughs> um, they're showing um, the opening scenes, and there's. Christmas lights everywhere. This sounds like, yep. oh, that's right. This whole movie takes place <laughs> right, during Christmas. Right, right. There's like From a the whole scene where the abuse gets a car and runs right through the house and almost takes him out. <laughs> right. And I was like, you know what? This movie's been getting short shrift in the whole argument over yeah. whether or not it's a Christmas movie. This entire movie takes place in and around the Christmas 100%. season. It's a Christmas movie. Uh, yeah. Wow. That's That one flew under the radar. Yeah. That's, uh, that's fair. What is the... When did that come out, year-wise? Is it the same year? 1987. 87. It's pretty close. I think that sounds like the right year for Die Hard. Let me, uh, let me take a quick look here. 88. Die Hard. Oh, it's the first Christmas action movie! <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's... Wow. Wow, that's that's upsetting. Sorry, Lethal Weapon. Sorry, I, I, sorry I, we did that to you all this time. I feel like you need to set the record straight. It's not yeah, fair no, that it gets totally left behind. Fair. Lethal Weapon first this Christmas, then Die Hard. <laughs> Don't you forget it. That's amazing. Yeah, I never, I never, never put that together. And I've seen that movie a lot, <laughs> like a lot. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen like the whole movie. Yeah. Um, but every once in a while, you catch a little bit while it's on TV. Uh, 
And so I, I've, I haven't really fully, you know, probably the last time I've seen like the whole movie or like a significant amount of it was probably long before I heard the argument about Die Hard Christmas, et cetera, so on. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's the, you, I'm like speechless because I'm blown away by this because I've never put that together before. And that's, that's 100% accurate. Die Hard just, just take it. It's like the, it's, you know, it's like your Dante's Peak Volcano at this point. <laughs> it's just, exactly. It's just the action Christmas movie. Amazing. I was actually Incredible. watching a little bit of Volcano the other day, too. You have you do things. That's great. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, moving on, I have a movie here that I saw the trailer for that I was very interested in called "I Think We're Alone Now." Have you heard of this? Uh, I've heard that there doesn't seem to be anyone around. So this is a Peter Dinklage, Peter <laughs> Dinklage joint. A man wakes up, or I, I presumably wakes up from the trailer. I can't tell how far into this we're going to start. But post-apocalyptic, everybody else is dead except him. Isn't this twenty-eight days later? He's the, there's no zombies involved, at least not from not from the get-go, okay. uh, or not from the trailer that is. And he, you know, he's kind of going about his day. He seems to be doing some strange things. He's like, he looks like he's clearing out houses and burying people, and then I'm assuming raiding their houses for <laughs> like loot and stuff like that. Um, that's that's. The most I can get out of it. I haven't looked too far into this because I actually only saw the trailer yesterday. And they um, then comes across Elle Fanning, who is another character that is alive. And I guess this whole movie is going to be, you know, what's the deal? That's it. Just like, why? Like, what's going on here? What I noticed from it, though, there, there doesn't seem to be any questions about what's like why everybody else is dead <laughs> or anything like that, which I kind of like sometimes. We're just like, okay, we're just going to skip ahead. You want to, like, okay, I'll give you that. You have to give me a good story now. Yeah. A little, little give and take. Right? Well, it's it's like uh, a lot, I mean, and I, I know you said there's no zombies, but that's what they do a lot of zombie movies. The why, yeah. not super important. It's what's going on that is. And uh, this sounds kind of uh, Last Man on Earth slash 28 days later slash I am legend esque here. Yeah, to be clear, clear it the the movie looks very pretty. There does not appear to be any humor. Oh, so it's it it seems way more dark and just visual, like everything going on. I I, I, I feel like, have a feeling there's not going to be a lot of lines in Earth. I don't know, like at what point we're going to introduce the two characters to each other. I feel like there's got to be at least some black comedy in a movie like that. Otherwise, it feels way too serious and dark. There, and there could be. Depressing. It's just not in the trailer, if there is. But that's the thing. That, that's the type of thing that's, like, ready-made for a trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know. So we'll see We'll see what's going on there. I'm I'm actually super interested in it just because I adore Peter Dinklage. Hmm. I did hear that he was in something coming up, but I didn't see that trailer. I didn't know anything about what it was that he was in. So check it out. I think I linked... Um, I'm pretty sure I linked an article in the Flipboard magazine that has the uh, the link to the trailer, but you could just look it up on YouTube. I think we're alone now. Official trailer. It's there. It's interesting. I want to see it. Uh, we'll, okay. we'll we'll most likely be doing a, an episode on it. You know, Fair. like other movies that have done, like uh, A Quiet Place, did a good job of of that. There's not you get a little bit more information than you need to about the background, and if you look through, you find out after the fact if you do research on the movie. Like there's like little hints about what happened along the way. Mm-hmm. But you don't need it. It's not that important. That's not what the story's about. Yeah, it's, and I, I, I like that. I like diving in. It's like let's let's start on the second book of this trilogy. Let's oh. <laughs> let's just dive right in. 
See, I'm not usually a huge fan of that sort of thing. I like to know if there is stuff available to know, I like to know it. Yeah, I, well, sure, but there's also times where you're just tired of origin stories. That's true too. Right? So this is sometimes it's a nice little breath of fresh air. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this one. So we'll have okay. to check that one out. All right, give me uh you have more nuggets? I have more news and more nuggets. All right, let's let's all right, let's flip it. Let's flip it. Let's get some news. Okay. Do you want movie news or other news? Ooh. Um other news. Okay. I'm going to read you a headline, and then I'm going to read you a short article from Esquire. Okay. Um, the headline, Metallica just made a blackened whiskey whose aging process involves being blasted by subwoofers. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope they have that at the whiskey tasting tomorrow. <laughs> I know. It, it seemed perfectly uh, time to considering uh, the whiskey thing we're doing tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> I'm going to read you this article. It was written by Sarah Rentz for Metallica just a mm. couple days ago, yesterday. Add Metallica to the list of aging celebrities with liquor brands. The band introduced its first ever spirit, dubbed Blackened American Whiskey, to the world last week. Named for the eight-minute-long experience that is Blackened on the band's fourth studio album, And Justice for All, the booze is a blend of American bourbon, rye, and whiskey that is aged with music. Yes, music. Here's how the band explains it. The band is housed, oh, sorry, the blend is housed in black brandy barrels and inundated with low hertz sounds waves. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. Can the band be in the barrels <laughs> playing the music? You guys missed an opportunity that, there. <laughs> incredible. The blend is housed in black brandy barrels and inundated with low hertz sound waves so intense that it actually enhances the molecular interaction and ultimately the finish of the whiskey. In other words, Metallica music is played through subwoofers during the aging process, and the low-frequency sound waves somehow improve the flavor of the whiskey by making it interact more with the barrel. With the guidance of Dave Pickerel, former master distiller at Maker's Mark and a big name in craft distilling today, each new batch of 5,000 bottles of Blackened will utilize a different playlist, which you can find on the website... This might be a crock of shit. It might also be the next big thing. A bar in Washington, D.C. specializes in sound aging liquors to make them taste older than they are, Forbes reports. Cooper and King's Distillery in Kentucky pulses its brandy with rock music for maturation. A 2017 study on brandy and sound aging backs up the process. And Metallica has a patent pending on its own technique, which it named Black Noise. The first batch of Blackened is called 081 after the year Metallica was formed. And is, oh, it's 081? <laughs> yeah, I was a little confused by that too. And is available for pre-order now. It was aged with the Eye of the Beholder, For Whom the Bell Tolls, and The Freight Ends of Sanity, among other songs. Hell yeah. I really want to read review by some person whose head is so far up Metallica's ass. That they are they're claiming to understand the flavors that come out of this based <laughs> on the music. Like I just I just want to read that. That'll I want to read a review that's a roundtable between a whiskey reviewer and a music reviewer written together. Mod- moderated whiskey. by Bob Honey. <laughs> 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 oh my god. What man, you just don't know what to do. Is that what that is? That's what that what is, mean? right? Like, why did you, why, did, why, why are you doing this? 
Why are you I mean, they music still and... make music and play music, so, like, I don't know. They just want to do shit, man. They love whiskey, I guess. All right. Okay. Yeah, you, I guess I guess that's fair, because but from what you, they're not pushing it on me based on what you just read, which is good. <laughs> yeah. Like, this isn't, like, a last-ditch thing. Like, they still play shows. They sell out every show they do. Like, I mean, the fuck? They're bored. They want to do shit. That's weird. Just the whole the whole concept. I I would love to, I, I would love to try it and know if there's any anything that playing uh, blasting the hurts through it does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't judge that sort of thing. I make my own beer. Yeah, like, can you can you please make like a breaking breaking Benjamin brew or something like that? Just, <laughs> you just hear it just yeah, blasting in your basement the entire time it's fermenting. <laughs> Actually, I have a pretty good base. It's not too late. <laughs> I have a pretty good. Uh, subwoofer or whatever down here um i could i could put it next to it and just have it low level like all the time spear fucking rocks we <laughs> <laughs> too much oh my god that's ridiculous uh but by the yeah. way precisely one week until al sales is ready to drink yeah <laughs> i got to try a little bit when i was bottling it last week it's delicious i'm very excited about that very excited indeed all right, moving on. Uh, the Halloween trailers. Have you seen them? Uh, I did hear that there was one. I did not get around to watching it. So it turns out there's two. Oh, okay. The first one came out in June, and I didn't know. Somehow I missed it altogether. And I watched the second one first, and then I watched the first one. Um, the very entertaining premise. I actually really like what's going on here. So what we got is a an old crazy jamie lee curtis who has been wishing that her brother would break free of the penitentiary that he's in so that she can kill his ass <laughs> that's that's what this is so uh, she breaks him out to no kill him? no no he uh, uh, uh you know a prisoner transport gone wrong he escapes and now he's on the loose but she's been like training and she's ready and that seems like a really cool concept, and I'm excited for that movie. And then See, I saw the rest of it because I watched no. both trailers. <laughs> Which no, is this is already this is already a missed missed opportunity here. This movie could have been so much cooler if the whole thing was they sold it on some sort of weird perverted version of a Stockholm syndrome where she needs to break him out, and they go through this whole thing where she orchestrates a prison break, but at the end. She just kills him, and that's it. Mm. And it's the end of the Halloween franchise. How badass would that be? That would be pretty badass. I don't know what, like, you know, I don't know where they're going to go with it. Um, I saw, like, that would be pretty cool if in the end she does kill him, and it does end. That would be, that's pretty cool. If, like, they go, you know what? The rest of those movies were meh, so let's do one, this one, and then we're done. Yes. You get on board with that. It's pretty cool. Uh, I'm I'm weirdly drawn to the Halloween movies, though I haven't seen them all. It's just a, it's such an iconic, like, obviously Halloween movie. Like, it's, it's so, it, the music is fantastic. The character is creepy and terrifying. And I've always, I've always just had like this weird interest in it, but I've never, I, I was always creeped out enough by them to not really dive too far down <laughs> into those. So, like, I've seen the original. I've seen this. I saw the second one when I was probably way too young. Like one of those things you turn on on a channel. It's not like it's terrible. It lasts about four hours because those commercials, you know, it's around Halloween. <laughs> the little, the, uh, the marathons are going on. Saw that one uh, during the day. Not so terrifying. 
uh, did not see the third, fourth, or fifth one. Then I saw, I, came across one with Paul Rudd. I think that was wait, the Paul sixth Rudd one. Was in a Halloween movie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was weird. Uh, then I, I remember, I think H2O was where, like, I, you know, I was at, like, the the going to the movies age and, like, wanted to see something creepy and never saw a horror movie. So I think I saw H2O in theaters. And then, uh, you still would have been pretty young. Yeah, no, I got, I got, I got someone to take me. I was. Like, I, did that? Was that come in nineteen ninety seven or something like that? I was like, yeah, but you, you know how long and how weirdly obsessed I've been with movies. So it was just like, man, eh, this kid's into the art. <laughs> no, but just point. that movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the I don't see that. I don't think I saw the one after that, or I saw parts of it, and then I really, really, really enjoyed the Rob Zombie Halloween movie, the first one. I really loved it. I thought it was excellent. And then I saw the second one. We've talked about this before. And the second one is the third worst movie I've ever seen. Now, it's dropped on the list. If you notice, that used to be my go-to example of the worst movie that I've ever seen was Halloween 2. Oh, okay. And the, the remake Halloween 2. And it's been passed by two films. That are tied for first. <laughs> One of those movies is Good Time, and the other is The Phantom Thread. <laughs> think I can actually say I would rather watch Halloween 2 by Rob Zombie again before I watch The Phantom Thread again. What's not The Phantom Thread's probably much longer. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh, it's so bad. <laughs> I, can't, I, just, I just can't handle it. Anyway, this one looks interesting. I'm excited to see what they do with it. It's creepy. They what they did do really well with the trailer, or I think it was I think it was the second one that did this well. Is the the choice of when to bring in the theme, like they 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 tease you long enough, and it goes far and far, and you're just like, come on, play it, and then they play it, and you're like, yeah. And it's so good because it's just so iconic. And he's terrified. And they do this really great opening sequence in the trailer. I encourage you to go check it out. It's just like a, it's probably like the first, I don't know, 15 to 30 seconds of the trailer is like a continuous shot. And it's, it's really, it's really terrifying. It's like a classic scene where like kids run into him on the street trick or treating and fall down. And they're like, ugh. And they like walk away, but he doesn't do anything because he's in the, like, the crowded area. And like the camera swings over his shoulder and then follows him down now. And it's just the way that that's done. It's just, I, you're just, it's terrifying. But I love it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I really want to see this. I, I'll have to work up the cards to see it in theaters, though. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, around this time, horror movies do get, they, they do freak me out. <laughs> uh, I've never seen any of those movies, actually. I've seen like very small bits of it, like on TV, like just sure. like where it was like happened to be on or whatever. I I do feel that I would need to rewatch the original before this because it is a direct sequel. So probably the first two? No. I think it's the first one. Oh, because I thought Jamie Lee Curtis was in the first two. She is. But it's a sequel to the first one. Oh, interesting. Which is just very yeah, it's you know what? Well, we'll do it, we're gonna do it our way. I don't wanna start at the beginning. I don't want to do these other 12. <laughs> Here's two. 
let's just let's just go with two. But anyway, we'll uh, maybe maybe we'll check that one out. I don't know if we're gonna get to that one in theaters or when it comes out, but I would like to do something on it at some point. Okay. It is coming soon, so. I didn't realize it was so imminent. I mean, I guess you know Halloween ish yeah. time, but. Yep. All right, Al, hit me with a nugget. Well, speaking of movies that are very long when you watch them on TV, um, the other day I had occasion to watch the first, let's call it about half of Godfather 2. Oh, nice. Which I have never actually seen all of before, or even most of for that matter. Uh, I've seen the whole first one. I've seen, unfortunately, bits of the third one. Uh, and I've seen a minute or two here and there of the second one, but not enough to really know fully what was going on. Like, I know the 50,000-foot view of the plot of the second one. Sure. I've just looked into what it was, but, like, I don't, like, actually know nor seen much of it. Um, but that is, like, well over four hours on TV when you watch it. And oh, it's yeah. on, like, AMC or something like that. Um, <laughs> of course. And I, and I turned it off. Because something was coming on that I wanted to watch that I like I knew was at the time I was like, holy shit, I'm like not even halfway through this movie. But uh, the reason I brought it up was um, I as I was and I was enjoying uh, my time with it. I, I, I don't have like the the deep cult like reverence for those movies, sure. obviously. But um, I mean, the first one is an excellent movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was enjoying my time with this one, too. Uh, this movie could not be made today no it's been a very no, long time since i've seen them um I, not the first one so much as this one the structure of it and it's funny because we're going to talk about a movie later on that the structure is kind of wild on right mm-hmm. this movie is like 50 50 between michael and the present you know post episode right. the post the first one and then the other half is the rise of um his father as a younger man Mm-hmm. And they spend it's like twenty minutes on one, and then it cuts to the other one for twenty minutes, and then it comes back for twenty minutes. Yeah, and back. You could not get away with making a movie like that today. Because nobody's paying attention anymore. No, but see the thing is, and in, in the off chance that you ever happen to see the movie again, oh, I, um, I own it. I will. I will watch it again. No, 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 not that movie. I'm in Cloud Atlas. Oh. Um, that movie what is movie? super long. It has so much good. <laughs> Am I supposed to watch that? <laughs> You're an asshole. Um, so the way that movie is structured, um, with and that has even more different stories and different timelines going on, they keep checking back in with everything often enough that you don't forget what was going on. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, not that I forgot it because I was paying close attention, but that's a long time to spend on one story to then completely halt and start up devoting quite a bit of time to another share that, yeah, that fair. structure, like, they would have had to cut it up much more and been like to keep you to, to keep your attention. I suppose, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, in the, in the way that like a movie like cloud Atlas does it, where it's, you could spend five minutes with one of the storylines and then you spend 30 seconds with a storyline and then you jump to another one for a couple of minutes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's that, variable pacing that goes on you could do this same move i mean you'd probably have to make it shorter than it was but you wouldn't have to cut like a whole huge chunk off the movie but 
you would have to, you could not pace it that way. It, the, the structure of that movie just would not work in today. Yeah, I, I, from what I vaguely remember, I feel like I agree with that. Um, but I, I don't know that there's a better way to do it with that film. Like I said, I think you would just, you would have to, um, you'd have to trim some stuff because it is a very long movie. Yeah. Um, and you have to, you know, you have to mix up the pacing stuff. I don't think you can stick with it in that, in that specific rigid formula like that. Should we do those movies one day? I think it'd be, uh, it, we're, it, it pro- should... we're probably not equipped to do them. But <laughs> more of a reason for us to do them, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> I'm just worried that we're going to deeply offend someone who's like a huge fan of them. That's um, all right. I don't have a problem with this yeah, let's, doing let's, that. I'll, I'll definitely have to rewatch the first one because I, I've, I've only seen it only one time. So we'll we'll rewatch them and let's just let's do them around like very Italian holidays, just like one, <laughs> just one at a time over we'll over the course of a year. Gennaro, yeah, no, we'll do, yeah, we'll do like we'll do one on Christmas Eve. You know, we'll eat some fish, we'll get nuts, we'll do one on Easter. You want to get nuts? Easter's pretty. You want to get nuts? Uh, we'll do one on Easter. We'll do uh we'll do one. We'll do one on Saint Joseph's Day over a sphinge. <laughs> It'll be delicious. <laughs> drink, drink that Italian beer. What's that? Peroni. Peroni. <laughs> we'll do that. We had that. Uh, we had that at the house uh, when you guys were up here. Yeah, I, I think we should. Want... Let's make that happen. I think that's the only time I've ever drink, drank Peroni, too. <laughs> you drink know what I would like to do? What we should do with that episode? We should definitely get somebody involved who's super into it. Mm. And have and have that take. Well, guys, we're hosting auditions. Give us your best yeah. reason why you should be a part of the show for those. I'm very agreeable. It won't take much. <laughs> Just send me an email. I'll do it. You're in! <laughs> the position's been filled. <laughs> Uh, awesome. So there was a little, a little video I came across this week that I shared with Al that I think you would all enjoy. And it was titled Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Trilogy, Worse Than You Remember. And this is by <laughs> the Cosmonaut Variety Hour on YouTube. Now, what I love, like everything in this is spot on and very, very funny. Sometimes it's a little too spot on, like where you're, you're avoiding. You And you had mentioned this. You kind of like... You're choosing not to accept where they're going with the movie, but it's okay because it's all in good fun. And no, it wasn't a- even that. It was like they, like the, they were talking about story and structure and stuff. It was like, oh, like they're going into somewhat of a deep dive of like actual movie making and cinematography, all that. Um, but there was other times where like he was literally willfully choosing to disregard storytelling, yeah. and it's like, right, well, and then I- you don't get to do that. Like you're it's, it's just forgivable. like choosing. It, it's forgivable if you accept that that's what he's doing. No, because he was being right? inconsistent with it. You know what I mean? If he yeah, was playing it for the joke the whole way through, yeah, then yes. I guess I, I guess I could see what you're saying there. Either way, it's the, I mean the video is 26 minutes. I got I did not realize it was that long while I was watching because I was halfway through when I sent it to Al and I was like, this is really funny. And then I looked at the time when I sent it to him. I was like, oh, this is this is really long. Uh, that's that's long for a a YouTube video to send to a friend, <laughs> but. Yeah. No, that's it's, fine. I mean, I I broke it up over a couple of viewings during the course of the day. No, I it was very funny. There was a lot of funny stuff in the video, and I enjoyed it. Uh, that that just that one quirk of the thing irritated me a little bit because sure. like you either have to take it seriously about or not. 
story stuff or play it all for a joke and like he was like half pregnant with it you know what i mean yeah that's that's fair that's fair the there are a lot of funny jokes in there and a lot of funny things and then obviously if you look at it through this lens sure it's ridiculous now i'll always remember those movies fondly just because i mean that was a big deal when spider-man came out like and i'll always have that you know special place in my heart for it but the when he's talking about Willem Dafoe, though, and just how hysterical he is, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to watch the movie and not see that. Just not see how silly he is. Well, I've always, well, not always, but for quite some time, because I, well, I won't say I remember all of them fondly. The first two, certainly. Um, and I disagree with him. The first two are genuinely good. They don't, his premise is right in that they don't hold up compared to what they're making now. Mm-hmm. But they hold up in the quality of what was expected at the time. Sure. And the movies that they make now honestly couldn't have been made without those movies. Yeah. Oh, 100% agree. It was like a – it was a very smooth transition from like the camp of the Schumacher to the Favaro Iron Man. <laughs> you know, like yes. it's like a nice – it's a smooth ride from A to B. <laughs> It was a very necessary stepping stone. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, wow, this could, this could actually be really good. And then they did three, and they're like, no, 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 no we went the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's very entertaining. I would I would suggest is, watching it, over, like like Al did, break it up in chunks. We'll, uh, they, we'll link they, to it. They, um, the what, <laughs> the reason that those movies are quote-unquote bad or, like, they're so cheesy is because they leaned into what comic books are, or at least were. Mm-hmm. Um, they took that tone off the page and put it on the screen. So you're going to get super cheesy, bad stuff on there yeah. if you're going to pull it straight from the page like that. There was, There's a couple of really, really funny things, though, Like if you just take them out <laughs> that are just hysterical. Like, the thing with them swinging in the first one. It's amazing. It, it is. And I like, I'm, like I said to you, the way I've experienced that my whole life is I've always been slightly off put by that scene and just couldn't put my finger on it and didn't choose to like devote time to like studying it. Mm-hmm. And had I done so, I would have realized that that's what was going on. And now that I finally saw it and I was like, oh my God, that's why I've been so uncomfortable with that scene. <laughs> I just like his delivery of that. Of It's it's Spider-Man swinging with Mary Jane. He's holding on to her. He's swinging. And his delivery of it is which is perfect and this is a thing you'll see this in like video after video online now if like if you go look you'll like people have brought this up numerous times but it's he points out you know clearly a mannequin and if you look at it's it's yes it's a 100% a mannequin she's not holding a, she's not her, her arms are not around a person it is a stiff rigid mannequin with the spider-man outfit on which is yes. amazing but there's a a wonderful little pause before he then goes and her hair is blowing the wrong way. <laughs> that's, just, that's where I lost it. And when that's the point that I was hysterical laughing when I sent you the video. Mm-hmm. Because it was just, it was just, it was just so perfect. Also, another really great one. If you're familiar with the movie, if you remember it well, the first one, when Norman Osborne throws that little pumpkin bomb and it disintegrates the people on the, on the balcony, except the people that matter to the plot. It's a very, very fun well, the other thing, and I don't think he did it in the video unless that was uh, like a moment I was distracted, but his pumpkin grenade turns them into skeletons. Yeah, he talks about that. Did he? I don't remember him yeah. saying it, but I've always been struck with that. Even since like the very first time I saw it, I was like, wait, they just turned into skeletons and then dust in the wind. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah they, they disintegrated. 
in two phases. It was very weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, the another one that was phenomenal is the because he's making he's talking about how funny Norman Osborn though, or um, Willem Dafoe is in the movie. Willem Dafoe actually crushes it in that role. Absolutely, he is so ridiculous and cheesy, and it's like that's a hundred percent him, like. Throwing himself 110% into a ridiculous script. Like, yeah. you're going to write this ridiculous cheesy line? I'm going to make it a fucking wheel of cheese. Yep. Here I come. I'm diving right in. Like, <laughs> I just love when he tears apart the scene in the uh, in the lab where he, one, takes a swig from the vial and then just smashes it on the floor. And he just goes, all right, I'm going to have to fucking clean that like, up. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Which is great. And he lays down in the uh, on the bed. And the metal straps come over him and he goes, ooh, cold. And I always I always recognize that. And I always found that to be so funny. It's like one of those things that I laugh at you know, in my head every time I see it. Just to hear somebody else point it out. It's like, yeah, other people see that. It's not just yes. it's not just in my head. And it's it's so good. The other thing that he points out that I loved is the paying attention to the actors in the background. The extras? Yes. Which I never noticed that before. That I, I did notice that. And I just didn't... I never took it as like a... This is like unique to this movie. But it really is least, everyone in the at background. At least, I guess, I never realized the extent of it. I think I have noticed mm-hmm. it on the odd scene. But the one that drove it home for me is when James Franco is doing it in that one scene. That See, and that was, a, that was a funny one. Because if you actually remember that scene, though, and you go back to it, it's there's a there's a meaning behind him walking away. Sure, but it's the specific of that one snapshot <laughs> in time yeah. that's really bad before well, he walks away. <laughs> yeah, and he like he 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 also has like the uh, that clip. He is very much focused and zoomed in on Franco for for that little take on that video, and it's real. It really is funny because it's like it's just like he checks out and walks off screen. That's what it looks like. It's not what happens in the movie, but that's what it looks like, and it's it's great. And, and the thing is, they brought it up in these in this video for these movies, and. It's a constant struggle I've been going back and forth with for the last few years. I don't know if James Franco is a good actor or not. Hmm. Uh, I will say with 100% certainty that he is after seeing him in Of Mice and Men on um, off-Broadway, on an off-Broadway play. Okay, because the thing is, like, there's been the people, like, point to, like, certain things. It's like, yeah, well, he was good in that role, but, like, there is a lot of on-screen evidence of him being bad at acting that I can't tell if he's just good at comedy, mm. specifically like stoner comedies, or if he actually is a good actor. I know I never actually saw 127 Hours, mm-hmm. so I don't know. But like, there's a lot of on-screen evidence of him being a bad actor. So sure. I get kind of confused. Is it just is it purely the script and the director he's working with? Is it the stage in his career he's in? Like you right, know what I mean? Right. Who knows? It could be, it could be anything. How high was he when he was filming? You know, you, you just don't Is know. there a direct correlation to the amount of weed he got to smoke before he stepped in front of the camera? Like, right, and then, like, how much does he have to hide it? Because when you're talking about, like, this is the end, oh, my God, what an incredible movie. <laughs> Terrence Peterson. A monkey keychain flashlight. <laughs> anyway, the other, the other piece of this that I found to be hysterical was how he talks about how Aunt May is a total bitch in the second movie, and I did not... Just did not even think of that before. Oh, no, that's one that's always stuck with me. Like, specifically the one scene, I guess, in the beginning when, or not in the beginning, where the one where he's talking about that he needs comfort and he reveals oh, yeah, the thing about when she recoils. <laughs> huge bitch during that scene, specifically. Yeah. The rest of it, 
less so. And actually, like, I disagreed with him the whole thing where she, like, says, oh, it's all water under the bridge. Like, that's kind of what needed to happen at that point. Cause she's like, yo, I fucking snapped on you before. I don't forget of you but let's get it over with because we are the two of us are the only people we have in our lives like right. <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's pretty brutal what is the uh what is the line that he cuts back to that toby mcguire says is it oh wow yeah is that oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, oh boy yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. oh boy yeah and no, it's it's is, so terrible i didn't notice it so much the first time i've seen it but having seen the movie several times that is one that has always stuck with me mm-hmm. like that is so bad <laughs> <laughs> Horrible line. I I I gotta be honest. I never really cared for him as an actor, but I don't. I've only seen him in a handful of things, so I don't know if it's just. Yeah. I, see, the thing is, I thought he was good in that role, um, specifically playing the Peter side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, despite being comically too old. Um, oh my god, that whole thing with the the students and the teacher and the teachers clearly younger than the students is a great it's a great call out yeah um you guys got to watch this video it's great <laughs> it's going to be in the article if you haven't seen it already uh that's on spintune.com but uh yeah no i in general i could take him or leave him i think he's fine i haven't seen him in a ton of stuff i, I mean i've seen those movies i've seen uh what's called the great gatsby he was fine in that um Oh yeah, was, that's right. He, I actually he was that movie. he was solid in Cider House Rules. Did not see that. That's it's a good movie. It's depressing. Um, Michael Caine is a classic. Sir Michael Caine. Yeah, Sir Michael Caine. Of course, I do not mean to disrespect Get credit him. where credits um, do. Also, also a random appearance of Paul Rudd. Um, this guy. <laughs> Coming up twice today. Did yeah, not expect all, that. Paul, Paul Rudd has been in way more things than you realize. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. He's... If you check out his like his filmography, he's been in a ton of things like in the '90s and early 2000s. Like, like, oh shit, I didn't realize he was in that. Like, yeah, it, it, that's kind of funny. I love, I love when you, or I love when you're watching a movie or something from like an older movie, and you're like, is that? Yeah, <laughs> that is that guy that I know actually. We'll get to that in a minute because I have one of those revelations from something that I watched this week. I had that happen like 10 minutes before we got on. I just threw on the TV down here like as I was prepping my stuff and trying to eat dinner really quick. And I threw on the Sum of All – well, sorry. I didn't put on the Sum of All Feels because I would never put that on because it's a terrible <laughs> blasphemous movie that destroyed its source material um, and <laughs> subjected me to two hours of Ben Affleck ruining one of my favorite roles in literature. Oh my um God. I'm a huge Clancy fan, and he butchered Jack Ryan, and I hate him. And you, I've told you many reasons why I hate the man and the actor, and that was one of many. Um, I try to I try to forget that I've seen that movie, honestly, and that's why it's never really come up in the things I told you that I don't like him in. I think um, I've seen that. What? I think I've seen that like a long time ago. Yeah, it's not good. It was a great book, and it's not a good movie. And so I put that on, and there was like five like random like military officers who are like th- their names aren't important but they're like all like in quote-unquote important to the story and i'm mm-hmm. like i know like all of these actors as like small roles or like character actor roles and a bunch of other things i had no idea any of them were in this because i haven't seen the movie since it came out like 15 years ago like bob kelso from scrubs the, the the i think he was the father in um 
Oil Room, there's two separate people. Like, have you ever seen Oil Room, Giovanni Ribisi, Vin Diesel, Scott Conn? No, but it sounds like I should have because I like those people. Good movie. Um, I think it was the year 2000. It was you know one of those movies about like those guys <laughs> who trade penny stocks and rip people off. Giovanni Ribisi and Scott Conn, great duo, fantastic in Gone in 60 Seconds. <laughs> I've only seen that movie once, and I did not have the reverence for it that a lot of people uh, yeah. I, I know you're not a huge fan of that, but uh, as you know, I've got the I've got the disc plate on my wall of that movie. I love that film, and there's one one particular scene that I love where they're all in Otto's garage, and there's a car that someone stole that they should not have sold that is just filled with cocaine or heroin. <laughs> and it's like it's in the trunk. He boosted it like because the keys were in the ignition, which is not really stealing. The car so much as driving it away, but the <laughs> but the, the the cops show up, and when the cops in the room and he's walking around, he's looking there, all talking to him. Scott Khan grabs a wrench, and he he slowly puts it towards his leg, and Nicholas Cage looks at him and he you know he shakes his head. He's like no, no, puts the wrench down. The cop leaves, and he goes, "What were you gonna do with that?" <laughs> and he goes, "I was gonna bonk him." <laughs> <laughs> Great line. <laughs> I absolutely love that movie. Go on. Sorry, boiler room. Um what was the what was the what were we even just talking about? I completely lost it in the middle of that whole Oh, Ben Affleck. <laughs> the father from the Giovanni Rabisi's father from the boiler room was one of the another of these military aides. It was the yeah. father from from Walking Tall, if you remember that movie, the guy who plays the rock's father in that movie, like okay. It was like, like immediately in like ninety seconds. Um, was my cousin Vinny, um, the sheriff from that, Sheriff Farley? I think his name's Bruce McGill. He's a an actor in like a whole lot of things. You ever seen Law Abiding Citizen? He was in that too. Oh, okay, and many other things as well. He's the one who plays Jamie Foxx's like associate, like mm-hmm. throughout the course of the movie. I was like, like in like quick succession, like bam, 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 ninety seconds. I saw like four or five guys who just play guys in like things all the time, and it's like, it's like holy shit, I know all these people, and I could not remember for life me that they were all in this movie. That's funny. That's like, uh, oh, what was the movie? Have you seen Executive Decision? No. Okay, this is this is a gem. Here's why: the box art of the movie. It's it's I think it's Kurt Russell, Steven Seagal. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up real quick because it's important. But anyway, this was one of those movies. So uh, I don't know if I've shared this just story before. I put it in one of the articles a long time ago. But uh, growing up, we had the pizzeria, and working at the pizzeria, there were two stores nearby. One was the Desserts Plus, which is where you would get your ice cream. One was Select Video, where you'd get your movies. We were Big Al's, where you get your pizza. We had a nice little we had a nice little bartering triangle there. You know, you just bring bring a pie, take home a milkshake. Bring a this, slice. Are you talking about are you talking about this this picture with the the stealth bomber on it? Yes, that's the one. So what I would love, what I need to point out in this picture, which is the most important thing about this, is that on the left side of the box is Kurt Russell. Yep. On the right side of the box is Steven Seagal. Mm-hmm. This movie is marketed as a Kurt Russell Steven Seagal movie. The reason I saw the movie is because I was at that young age where I was super into action flicks, and my dad had shown me a Steven Seagal movie, and I all of a sudden wanted to see all Steven Seagal movies. We rented this movie. Big we mistake. Get, we get fun. No, hang on. The movie's good. Don't this. This is a great. This is like a great '90s action nonsense movie. It's fantastic. It's got a. It's got a great cast, and it's just. It's a lot of fun. Um, I, I mean, really terrible, but awesome. 
<laughs> you, you understand where I'm getting, right? It's, As just, all great 90s action movies are. Right, exactly. But what's the most amazing thing about this until this day is that that box art has not changed. And the reason this is important, and this is spoiler territory for this movie, which I think you're probably better off with me telling you this now so that you are not childhood me looking to see a Steven Seagal movie because he dies five minutes into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the, there's hijackers on a plane. They take that stealth bomber. They go up to the plane. They attach some tube between the two of them, and they are climbing through the tube into the plane. He's letting his team go first. Something goes wrong, naturally, while he's in the tube. Disconnects. He goes flying out into the air. That's it. <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> it's, it, I'll never forget that. <laughs> he was supposed... Like, he's on the box. He's meant to... Like, it's marketed as a Seagal movie. Not just on the box, but it's... it. Like you said, it's Kurt Russell, Steven Seagal. Like, it's not like there's eight people on the box. And he's one of them. It's those two people. There's eight and people on the box, but they're under the wing of the plane, and they're very small. Well, you can't small. see who any of them are. <laughs> like, there's two names and two faces on the box. <laughs> it's amazing. I love. I, I like. I was so disappointed, and it it was very upsetting. But I quickly I quickly got over it because the rest of the movie is very entertaining. And it's, I can't of think of anything in it. off the top of my head, but I know there's been other movies where it's been like that, where it's like. Like, oh, it's, like, super big and, like, important that that person's in the movie. And then they die, like, immediately. It's like, now why the fuck would you market it that You're way? like, you got me. I'm here. You know what movie? I bought my ticket. I'm thinking about, you know what movie? Gangs of New York. Okay. Spoiler alert, guys, for that 18-year-old movie. <laughs> Great movie. Liam Neeson dies three minutes into the mm. movie. Mm-hmm. But... We get flashbacks throughout, don't we? I, uh, I'm not remembering that movie. It's been exactly. a long time, yeah. but I don't think there is a lot. No, no. It's, it's just that. There may not be any action. That's really funny. Yeah, I, I, I don't fully remember that, but I believe it. It's, it's fitting, especially considering that last story. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I did not think that we'd be talking about executive decision today. But I do <laughs> think that we need to do that movie once. We'll, we'll, we'll I didn't do... think we'd be... I didn't think we'd be talking about the sum of all fears today. That's that's fair. We're gonna do we're gonna do executive decision one day, but just we're gonna have to be hammered for that one. You keep saying executive decision, and I keep thinking of executive bathroom because someone made an executive bathroom joke the other day. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, so moving on. Uh, you have more news nuggets. What do you want next? Uh, I have a news, mm-hmm. and I have two nuggets. So let's go with a nugget. Okay. Um. Trying to decide which one. Um, let's go with Better Call Saul because I've okay. brought it up a few times in the last few weeks. Sure. This episode was again an excellent one. Um, and what I the reason I'm bringing it up is what I, I thought was so interesting about it is, um, if you guys have not watched all of it, I'll try to steer clear of actual spoilers for the episode, other than the very beginning of the episode, just because that's what made me. What they're doing with the show is really interesting because it's like they're like cheating on the test type of thing. Like, okay, because they have this base set up now mm-hmm. of Breaking Bad stuff, of Better Call Saul stuff, but there's certain rules that they followed in the show, and they'll do a lot of cold opens, but not every episode. But they've been doing it a bunch this season. So what they've done, you said you watched the first season or two of Better Call Saul, yeah. 
So you know at the very first episode of the first season and each season since, they do a black and white yep. segment of what happens to him post-Breaking Bad. And for those of you guys who haven't finished watching or haven't watched all of Breaking Bad, I recommend it. And I won't spoil for you anything about going on with it. But Yeah, that's, a, that's one of those things. Breaking Bad is one of those ones where it's always going to be an incredible thing in my memory. And no matter how old it is, I will not spoil it for anyone. <laughs> yes. Um, so I will just say that the first episode of each season of Better Call Saul has, which is a prequel to Breaking Bad if you're not familiar, um, has a flash forward to the events surrounding the character of Saul in the aftermath of Breaking Bad. Mm. I won't say anything about it other than that. They've that's done... A, that's in this, pre, this last episode that you watched, you said? No, no. Oh, you're just talking about in general. Yes, the first episode yep, of yep. each season they do it, yep. and that's the only time they do it during the whole course of the season. But they do a lot of other cold opens that are flashbacks previous to Better Call Saul, things that we haven't, we are not familiar with per se. They're typically a history of a character they're going to focus on or going to show one side of a story of, of mm-hmm. revealing character moments for characters, stuff like that. And they've been doing it a bunch of this. This is the first time they've done a flash forward on the show that's not to post Breaking Bad. They did a flash forward to something very close to the end of Breaking Bad. So they did it in color. And without getting spoilery, I will say it was they showed a flash forward to Saul in the immediate aftermath of the events of the episode Ozymandias, which is mm-hmm. the third to last episode of the show. And they show it's, it would be the second to last thing chronologically that they ever showed Saul on screen on. Cause you, at the end of Ozymandias, when it goes to the next episode, the penultimate episode of the show, Granite State, um, that's the last time you ever see Saul. Mm-hmm. So this would have happened between those two things. That's cool. Yes, and they brought back um, his secretary from Oh yes, bad for that scene. Awesome, that's great. Yeah, I'm I definitely going to get back into that and and watch the rest of it because it's it's fantastic. And the reason for it is this episode was by far the most dramatically showing he is actively careening like a runaway train into becoming Saul Goodman full-time on the show. Oh, cool. Because And it's it's mirrored throughout the course of the show with everything else that's going on. There are a lot of characters, a lot of locations, a lot of events that are clearly not just implying Breaking Bad is on the horizon, but actively showing you this thing is where that's leading. This character is someone who you know is going to be important in Breaking Bad. It's the first time you're seeing him on Saul. A ton of characters have been back on the show now. Not that they're all super important per se, but a bunch of them are on the show, whether they be briefly or more recurring locations, stuff like that. It's really cool to see this unfold at this point. Knowing the end point of this show and knowing where they're at now and still trying to figure out how long and exactly what's going on in between Mm -hmm. all this. So often prequels suffer from it's like, well, how much do I really care? I know where it's going to go. I am super invested in all. Oh of this. yeah, I mean this the, show is really, really good. The writers are genius. It's I, from what I have seen so far, I absolutely love, and I definitely can't wait to dive back into it. But that sounds that just gives me even more of a reason to dive in because, like, if they're gonna 
that's getting real close, right? That's like where that's very ballsy because you are potentially toying with a closed series by doing something like that. Yes. Well, so the thing is, they haven't announced that this is the final season of Saul. Okay. But this is the fourth season. And previously, maybe a year or two ago, uh, Vince Gilligan said that he does not anticipate Better Call Saul running longer than Breaking Bad did. Breaking Bad ran for five seasons. Mm. They have not announced that this is the final season. They have not announced that the next one is the final season. Right. They're getting pretty close now. I mean, is it a year? Is it two years? Meaning, time, yeah. like show time, like yeah. show chronology. They can't be that far away because the start point of this show was only, I want to say, three years before the start of Breaking Bad, or maybe four. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a couple of years. So, man, do I want to rewatch that just, show? Because this, because this is this was the fifth episode of a ten episode season. Mm-hmm. Like they're getting there, man. That's great. I I, that, like, I love to hear that. At like the risk of like the minorest of spoilers for Breaking Bad and Saul, they did a show within a show of the second season. The first ep- the first letter of each episode of the second season spelled. I think it was Gus is back or something like that or Gus Fring or something like that to indicate that Gus was going to be in the third season. That's cool. And they hinted him at the very end of the second season. Mm-hmm. Gus shows back up for the third season. He's actively a part of the show like full time now in the fourth oh, season. And if you're familiar with Breaking Bad and you haven't been watching Better Call Saul, you know where Gus goes. The, the beginning of the fully fledged enterprise that you see in Breaking Bad is really taking off on screen now in Better Call Saul, which is oh, really cool so stuff cool. to watch. Oh, that's so exciting. I can't wait to watch this stuff. So good. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So I watched a couple of movies this week. Nice. Um, Prestige I watched, I think, two weeks ago, uh, which kind of sparked this. And then I think it, then it showed up on your TV, so that's great. But the the two movies that I saw very very different from one another. Uh, Father Figures was one of them. Father Figures that was the Owen Wilson Ed Owen Helms. Wilson, Ed Helms, yep, yep, one hundred percent. So this movie very silly, and I would just I'm giving you a quick one because I don't know that we'll do an episode on it. Just like a it's just a funny thing. I think it's worth a watch. It's a it's a very entertaining movie. I remember seeing all the promos for it, and I was like, that does look like it would be funny, and I just never got around to it. So here's what's here's what I really want to point out about and why I want to give like why I want to rec- recommend this movie. Why, the, why didn't they just get a DNA test? No, no, it's not it it's it's done well. It's done it's it's fun. Why was um, Bing Reams one of the options? It, yeah, the the marketing material is a little off on that based on what actually goes down. But the What's funny about the movie, though, is that it's from the time that it opens till about the second act, it's very much like a high budget comedy. It's, you know, they're going for laughs. They're throwing dumb jokes in They're They're just they're just going for it. Right. That's when you that's when you get those scenes that you saw in the trailer. That's when you get um, the Ving Rhames scene and you get uh, Terry Bradshaw. And like th- that's when all that stuff happens. From that moment on, second, third act, you know, like you, it turns into an indie comedy, which I love really? because it, it turns into, it ends up being a very heartfelt movie. 
And I did not see that coming. I thought this was just going to be dumb humor the whole way through. And it took me by surprise because they did they handled it really well. And yes, they dip back into it throughout the second and third act where they dive. Like they there'll be like one absurd thing that happens or like they'll introduce a ridiculous character or there'll be an over the top joke. But the through line is actually very heartfelt. And it's I really just didn't expect that going into it. And it's it's very entertaining and enjoyable to watch. I really recommend it. Yeah, I, it, it's one of those ones that, like, if I see it, like, pop up on HBO, like, I definitely want to, like, sit down and watch it because yeah. it, it did look funny. Well, funny that you say that. That's where I watched it. It is on HBO Go. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I'll try to check it out soon then. So there's that. The other one uh, is... You, you know what wasn't on HBO Go? The, the Prestige. prestige. <laughs> the, <laughs> the other movie that I watched, though, was actually right after that one, so... Kim and I were watching that movie. She fell asleep towards the end, so we have to rewatch the end of it. But as it when it when it ended, I was like, "I'm not remotely tired. Let me scroll through HBO and see what what other gems are floating around over here." And I came across this movie called Diner, and it's it was like I I was reading the synopsis, and it's like basically you know a bunch of guys they go to their diner after their like every day, and you know that's where they hang out. They talk about life, sex, girls, like all that stuff. And it's just like you know it's just a kind of Boys growing up, right? That's your that's your premise. Now, the what what really I was like, oh, I love movies like this. I love movies that are all dialogue. They they really I really captivated by that for some reason. That is probably why I'm so drawn to Kevin Smith movies. And this feels like an influence to a Kevin Smith movie because it's from '82, so it's not the other way around, obviously. Mm. But it's. It's, uh, let me read the, pull up the uh, synopsis real quick. So, Diner, 1982. This is from IMDb. A group of college-age buddies struggle with their imminent passage into adulthood in 1959 Baltimore. That's it. And that's that's what the whole movie's about. And you have a bunch of main characters that are all going through a semi-stereotypical thing that you would see of a character for like that time frame. Like, you have the one guy who's like, trying to get his way through gambling right he's like getting over on everybody like that he just doesn't really want to grow up doesn't want to get a real job like he's kind of just gonna he's trying to coast it seems like then you have one guy who is already married got married young and he's coping with that he is still hanging out with all of his friends who are not at that level with him yet and he's kind of regretting it in some aspects or not fully understanding his relationship and others it's just like it's a nice like uh they dive into that and then there's another character that's getting married, which is interesting because he has the one buddy that he's trying to get advice from, but that buddy is kind of on the fence about his life. Then you have um, another character who's kind of just, he's he's kind of like a trust fund baby. He has no direction. He doesn't know what he's doing with his life. He's a mess. He's kind of an alcoholic. It's like, he's he's really, he's really strong. He's the one that is, going to be left behind by everybody else like that's that's the his problem um then you have the the one kind of mysterious character like he's he's there he's fits with the group kind of he doesn't you don't really get too much about his story um i don't know if i should be concerned or not about the character like he's i don't, I don't really you don't really know too much that that in itself is interesting but it's finch from american pie yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it's that it's that style and uh it's it was super entertaining because there's no 
by the end of the movie, they kind of they're all growing up. Like they're all try like kind of figuring themselves out, and that's all it is. It's like just a it's a chunk of time, like a few days, and a few nights at the diner. And it's you know you get scenes obviously outside of the diner and in between of like the stuff that's going on around their lives and like but each each of the acts ends in the diner, mm-hmm. which is really cool like of them just hanging out. And man, I I loved it and I love when that happens. You come across a random movie, it's like oh this sounds good. You watch it, you're just like wow this is this is one hundred percent up my alley. Like this is perfect for me. Like and it what's crazy about it is there's a there's some actually there's some decent actors in this film. So. We start off with uh, Eddie, who is, he is the married one. Uh, That's played by Steve Gutenberg. We have Lawrence. Sorry, Eddie's Eddie's getting married. My mistake. Lawrence is married. Lawrence is played by Daniel Stern. Now, without looking him up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, the laugh is is enough, and that's the one that I was talking about earlier, where I was like, I'm watching the movie, and I go, is that that is Marv <laughs> <laughs> from Home Alone? And I was just, that that was hysterical to me. You got Mickey Rourke, he's the gambler, and you have Kevin Bacon, he's the flunky. Um, oh, I forgot this character altogether. I forgot to mention him, but Tim Daly, who is uh, he's the character that kind of got out of the group. He went off to college. He's kind of successful. He's got his own shit that's going on that is going to, like, uproot his life, like, change things on him. And he's, which is, like, kind of, I think, shows you, like, how he's stuck back with his old group. Like, some of these, like, mistakes and, like, maybe he is not leaving the town even though he thought he was kind of thing. Yeah. It's just, it's just really good. There's a lot, like, as a guy, like who has grown up and, and entered adulthood like you can watch this movie and you can see um you can see yourself in some of these characters you can see all of your friends in the characters and it's just it's just really well done and then there's and Paul Reiser he's the character that I just I have no idea like his character doesn't I I don't have a gauge on him I don't know if he's okay if he's not or if he's just kind of mooch he's the mooch of the group but it's I don't know. It's 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 kind of funny. I would I really I suggest watching it. It's it goes by pretty quick, um, and it's it's entertaining and captivating enough. Like if you if you're into that sort of thing, if you're into a lot of dialogue driven story, I feel like it's it's well done. Um, really, really just a great treat to come across at the end of the night. But that's the, not that interesting. The other funny part about it was, unfortunately, is the day that. I watched it. it was the last day that it was on. I was like, well, this feels like I have to do it. <laughs> so it's been taken down since, I believe. Uh, um, but okay. if, you get, if you get a chance, Diner is a is a good one to come across. It's funny that you bring up that sort of thing because um, that was one of my notes. Just that thing where it's like, oh, like I'm done watching what I want to watch, but I'm not going to get up and go to bed yet. Yep. But I don't want to like throw something on new because I'm not sure if I'm ready to like commit to it. Mm-hmm. And I went through that the other day, and I was just like, oh, let's see what I can watch for maybe 20, 30 minutes before I go up to bed. And I was like, oh, Kill Bill 1's on. Let me put that on real quick. I, 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 I enjoy watching that movie for a little bit. Put it on. It's like if I'm guessing you're probably fairly familiar with the movie. Nope. Um, it, no? No, it's one of those ones that I have like on my list to watch that I just, for whatever reason, have never gotten to. So it's funny. I just had this conversation today um, about, it was like Quentin Tarantino 
Mm -hmm. And I was like, I feel like if someone asked me, like, I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, I I like Quentin Tarantino. Because it was through the lens specifically of Django. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I don't know that I am a Quentin Tarantino fan. Mm -hmm. I'm a Kill Bill fan. I love those movies, especially the first one. And I was like, Django is okay. I've only seen the first 20 minutes or so of Glorious Bastards. I've seen oh. bits of Pulp Fiction. I haven't seen like all his other stuff. Like, like I'm not actually a Quentin Tarantino fan. I'm a Kill Bill fan. Okay. I love the first movie. The second one is also quite good. Um, there's certain sections of that one that I really, really like, but it's the first one for me. Um, and I was... I put it on, it's probably 10 minutes into the movie. It was like, okay, like I know the first couple of chapters because that's how I know they do the chapters in a lot of the movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they do all of them, but um, the, the first of the two goes, the whole thing is if, if you're not familiar with the movies, I'm not, spoiler, it's Uma Thurman's character is nearly murdered at the very beginning of the movie yeah yeah and the rest of it is her revenge to kill bill and the people that he sent to kill her Mm -hmm. so the first i think it's five chapters in the first movie is her hunting down a couple of them as well as backstory to her and backstory to the characters themselves and i was like oh i'll watch like a chapter of it or whatever i ended up watching the whole damn movie (laughs) (laughs) it's like you just like it's like oh wait the next scene coming up i really like that scene one of those oh that scene's coming up like okay and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh shit, I'm in the final chapter of the fucking movie and I'm not going to turn it off because it's the huge fight against the crazy 88s and you do not turn off that. That <laughs> That's funny. I, yeah, I, it's on my list. Like, I definitely want to watch it. I just haven't. For whatever reason, I just never got a chance to. Like, it's been on in the background, but it was like on too late. So I couldn't, I didn't want to focus on it and like ruin something. I've it's definitely something you want to it. focus on because there's stuff that's important. But like some of it's not super important, honestly, but it all does come together into a nice portrait. Um, yeah. I like I said, I I enjoy the second one, but it's the first one that I really love. Okay, yeah, I'll have to. I I definitely will get to it. Like those are like it's one of those ones where like I've seen it in the bin at Best Buy like numerous times. Like I should just grab that, and I'm like, yeah, it might get a little cheaper. Like, I, like, because I, like, I'm not for whatever reason, I'm not drawn to it, and I, and I think it's the aesthetic, but I can, I'm sure I would get over it quickly. The aesthetic is pretty ridiculous, and that's yeah. probably why I buy it. I realize that, like, as much as at the times I'm like, oh, that that seems weird. I like, I live for that, embrace that sort of shit. Like, I, it's, I guess it's gotta, I have to have some sort of weird connection to whatever it is. But I like a lot of movies that are weird. Mm-hmm. Or that have, even if some of them have become kind of mainstream, ones that are certainly quirky and unconventional for themselves, like sure. just taken as their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really, really like the first one. <laughs> I It's funny, you say you're not sure if you're a Quentin Tarantino fan. I'm surprised that you haven't seen all of Inglorious Bastards, because that I love that one. It was, one. it was one of those things where it's like, oh, you haven't seen this? Like, let's watch it. And it's like, okay, but it's like, 1.30 at night already, and it's like... Ah, yeah, I, it's too late for that. Like, I watched the first two or three chapters, and I fell asleep, mm-hmm. and I've just never got around to sitting down and watching the whole movie. Yeah, I... You know what? And I totally get that, because if you... Especially if you've restarted it multiple times, that is the exact way to kill something. For example, yes. for me, Westworld. 
I really mm -hmm. know that I will enjoy Westworld. But because I started it three different times, that's why I'm like, I don't want to start it a fourth time. But I know I can't start from where I left off. Yeah. It's very, that's It's that's funny, cer certain shows and movies, I cannot finish it and literally go like five years and still know how to pick right up. Mm -hmm. And other things, I'm like, I could have watched two-thirds of it and I'm going to rewatch from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like I'm not going to be able to, like, like I went through, like, I, I watched, the, like I said, the first half of Godfather 2. I can pick that movie up in three years from now and watch the second half of it, finally. And I'll, like, I'll have been fine. Like, I really won't have, like, forgotten much. But, like, there's other things where I've, like, watched parts of multiple times. Like, the, the, the one I, I took me fucking forever to actually process and retain the end the last 30 minutes of mission impossible ghost protocol i've seen most of the movie like 15 times right and i just could not get the last half hour of that movie to stick in my brain mm -hmm. until finally i I, you know, I gave up trying to like sit down and watch it because like if i just watch the whole thing whatever like i'm not gonna just turn off the last 20 30 i sat down and read the fucking like an in-depth detailed synopsis <laughs> of the movie right to physically imprint the shit into my brain because i could not get it to stick there yeah <laughs> i hear you all right uh you have another you have one last nugget if i recount correctly <laughs> i have one final news one final news do you have any news or nuggets i'm done I'm done. Oh, now. really? I thought we were both going to have this one. Um, they just announced today that the the EA, uh, the EA the <laughs> Entertainment Weekly, the EW cover was for Captain Marvel. Uh, the the new shots of the of filming. No, no the, the the cover story for Entertainment Weekly is oh. Captain Marvel. Like they're releasing a whole bunch. Some of it is set photos, but they're sure. releasing a ton of information along with it. That's cool. Um, so I, I pulled up a, an article. It was, you know, picked up all over the place. This was on io9. Um, we had, uh, we've had set photos. We've had space beepers. We've had comic universe teases. <laughs> Hell, we've had notepads. But finally, finally hope for a battered and bruised post-Infinity War Marvel Cinematic Universe has arrived in the form of the mighty Captain Marvel herself. So they have a picture of her on the front. They said that, you know, that's the whole thing. And they mentioned uh, some of the information they finally like oh they they have the picture of her on the cover is her classic, especially the Carol Danvers look, the red white and blue or I guess gold, red yeah. and blue um, look for Captain Marvel. Um, they said uh, they give us an idea of what to expect from her film look. Um, the suit is very similar to what we saw, but that one was a Cree inspired green and blue, which is a callback to the origins of the Captain Marvel mantle as championed by the Cree warrior Marvel who supposedly, though we still have not, I guess, received 100% confirmation of this, supposedly is played by Jude Law. Mm -hmm. We got uh, some, like I said, some other photos. Uh, we got a little synopsis. Uh, it will open with Carol already having gotten her cosmic powers. She heads to space to join the Kree comic book super team known as Star Force, which will be led by Law's quote-unquote enigmatic character, sorry, enigmatic commander, after spending time with the team in the film, Carol returns to her homeworld only to face a bold new threat, the infamous shape-shifting Marvel villains, the Skrulls, who will be led by Ben Mendelsohn's villainous Talos. Ben Mendelsohn. Yes. Um, we also got confirmation about young Nick Fury and Agent Coulson uh, using the Marvel's famed de-aging uh, CG. Sure. Um, we also, on the cosmic-based Kree side, the... 
reconfirming Lee Pace and Jimin Hanshu, reprising their Guardians of the Galaxy roles as Ronan the Accuser and Koreth the Pursuer. I actually never knew that this character was named. Mm. Um, the picture that I saw was Ronan facing her and her standing you know, opposite of him in, in a distance. Oh, the interesting thing is I saw a picture of her with a couple of other of those Star Force guys mm-hmm. all in the same uniform, and Jimin Hanshu was actually part of that squad. Hmm. Um, there's information about Dr. Minerva, played by Gemma Chan, who I think she's on she on Humans on AMC. Maybe. And there's mystery characters played by Annette Benning and Lashana Lynch. Uh, I think they said that Lashana Lynch would be playing... I, I saw it was a reference. It was she's playing the mother of a well-known comic book character, but I didn't see the name of the character. Um, it's likely that we'll be seeing and learning a lot more of Captain Marvel this week. We'll bring you more as we know it. Cool. I'm excited for this movie. Me too. Very excited. I'm wildly excited for the finale of uh, of Infinity War, <laughs> but. It's- uh, this is this will be a nice can, little holdover. Can an, an Infinity War have a finale? Yes, because we don't really care about what words actually mean when we write them in comic books. <laughs> let's be serious. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, that's that's gonna be good stuff. And that's what is that? That's March, January? February, or March. I'll just I'll just jump around the month. <laughs> Fe- Fe- February, March. All right, sounds good. I uh, I can't wait for that. Shall we dive into our flick of the week? Wait. Yes. All right. Wonderful. Well done. Uh, okay. So our flick of the week is the incredible film, The Prestige, from one of my all-time favorites, as you all know, Christopher Nolan, my god. And <laughs> he's, I just love this movie. And I haven't seen it in a really long time. And I rewatched it the other night in spectacular 4K. And it was... <laughs> Just as good as the first time. So let me just tell you how I didn't watch it before this episode. Um, I was going to watch it Monday night. I had my fantasy football draft for the big league that I run. And I was not in a position to sit down and watch a movie that I need to focus on after that. So I was like, okay, no big deal. We're not recording until Wednesday. I'll watch it Tuesday night. And so all those, I thought I, I was quite sure I'd seen it on TV a couple of weeks ago on one of the movie channels. So mm-hmm. usually I can find just about any movie. It wasn't there. And I, it used to be on Netflix, not there either. And I was like, son of a bitch. Okay, I'll see if I can find it somewhere. Couldn't find it somewhere. I was like, I give up. I'm just going to go and look up a couple of scenes that I know that I want a refresher on mm-hmm. and this and that. And, you know, read a little here and there, some synopsis. I, I'm functionally aware of, of all the stuff. I've seen the movie quite a few times. I just mostly wanted for like kind of quotes and callbacks and specific like sure. nitty gritty details on stuff. I wanted a refresher on it. Um, this is one of my favorite movies. Um, yeah. It doesn't make it into that mythical top three that I've we've talked about before of mine. But it's a top um, tenner. It's almost certainly a top ten, if not top five. Yeah. I, it's um, one of those ones though, that's so funny because I haven't seen it in such a long time that I occasionally forget about it but then when i rewatched it i was like oh yeah like this movie is on point yeah like everything about i love i love this movie so much oh my goodness it's just it's just so well done it's got incredible twists and turns right you have your you have your michael kane as you do in nolan movies, sir michael kane. who is sir michael kane 
who is the Ellen Page Inception character in this movie. He gives you a little gives you he's he's there to hold your hand a bit. Oh yeah. Okay. explains to you. He basically tells you up front, this movie is gonna be a magic trick. Pay attention right now as I explain <laughs> to you the three parts of a magic trick. Yes, the the opening and closing of the movies with that narration is yes. is nice. Is like textbook like the fine like like winding of all of, of, of storytelling. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's so good. There's so many twists and turns in this movie. There's so many layers of of the story on top of itself with the theme. Like it just I just don't like I I praise Christopher Nolan and I imagine I didn't I didn't double check but did his brother write this with him as he does with most things? Yes, yeah, it Jonathan was Nolan by Jonathan Nolan. Uh, adapting a novel by Christopher Priest. I actually did not okay. realize it was not a novel. Mm-hmm. But it's just like the way that they do things together. Like they're just they're incredible. Like I just don't understand. Like I can't imagine not, not just not just the two of them, but cinematographer was Wally Fisher, and mm-hmm. he's with him on multiple things and i didn't realize i forgot that he up until a couple years ago had the same cinematographer like for most of his movies yeah um until he went off on his own and made that horrendous movie that i could i ended up turning off um transcendence he directed that movie i'm pretty sure and his directorial debut and i after about 30 to 40 minutes i turned the movie off i couldn't I couldn't keep watching it. I was just whatever. Um, yeah. But his cinematography is excellent. Yeah, and, yeah, and you direction know, and, isn't. <laughs> well, you could tell also that it's the, that he used the same guy. I mean, the palette for like there's a Christopher Nolan color palette. <laughs> the palette, yes, but even more than that, it's the way that they cut and edit. And I'm not yeah. great at that stuff necessarily for the technical stuff, but the but you way can pull it, his stuff it, out. It's very obvious that it's the same person. The, mm-hmm. the like jump cuts that they do. And the way that they frame certain important sequences that are going on, it's very obviously the same person. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things I really want to get into because they they really leverage that well in this movie. Probably most importantly in this movie over other movies. Because in yeah. other movies where they do it, it's a great little nod, right? It's like Hey, like if you're if you're watching like and you go back and watch, there's something for you here. You can go check in on this thing. You'll realize, oh, like wow, they were leading to this the whole time. In this movie, it's super important because of the constant line of like, are you watching closely? Yes. Are you paying attention just, to this? Not just that, but like you said, like the idea of it's kind of a movie with it's it's a, it's a forerunner to Inception spiritually in the whole fact that they set up. The idea, like you said, the pledge and, and all leading up to the prestige itself, right? Um, that this is carried out in the structure of a magic trick in that we're no stranger, if you're a big fan of movies, you know, stranger to misdirection. But mm-hmm. the way that they carry it out specifically in multiple instances during the course of this movie is so very reminiscent of specifically a magic trick. Right. And w- the beauty of it, which is what Michael Caine talks about early on. This is, it is in your face the entire time, and you choose not to see it. No, not choose per you, se. In, you, in some cases, if you're an observant cases, person, you choose not to see it. The point is that not in all the cases, but a lot of them, they purposely, willfully misguide you while also trying to scream. I don't want to get into the spoilers, but the big twist itself. Mm-hmm. 
I knew what it was that they were getting at. Yeah. Without, but I couldn't. I didn't consciously get it until he said it. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like what I was saying earlier with the Spider-Man mannequin thing. Yeah. Where I knew that's the thing. Something's not right. <laughs> but I couldn't. My brain wouldn't do it. Well, and that's what I love about it because, I, again, without spoilers, we're not going to get into there yet. And we're giving you this is a this is very nice on our part because this movie came out in 2006. So we're going to talk a little bit before we get into it. We will tell you when we're going to get to that point of spoiler territory. But you do get it's exactly what you're saying. You you know something's up when they say it, you realize yes, I do I do know that. And what's amazing is as they right after they really revealed the twist of the movie. They they do a wonderful thing where they jump back to previous scenes. And before they even come on screen, you're recalling them in your head. That's how captivating every scene in this movie is. So like you, you're like, oh my God, that's why this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. And then they show you, that's why this happened. And this and it's just like, and as they're showing it to you and proving that you're right, you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> and your head's exploding because it's just, the movie is just so well done. Like there's... He is a master craftsman. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's like, it all, like, when it finally hits you, it's like a machine gun, like, pop, 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 and yeah. it all, like, fills in together, and, and it all works, because the way people have always complained about this, like, have issues with the movie Memento, oh, it's it's such an awkward structure. But after the first two or three chapters, you should be able to follow along. Yep. It's pretty specific and the fact that half of it is in color and half it's black and white you know the discrete parts of it and a movie like this as they play with timelines can be jarring at times where you're not 100% sure which piece of it they're telling you Mm -hmm. and it all clicks together at that end point if it hadn't for you already yeah what's happening he's chasing me (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man in, in more movies they should have the actor completely forget what's happening like mid scene that's just if you can pull that off then you are you are of christopher nolan caliber <laughs> it's definitely a bold artistic choice it really is uh i'm going to read this real quick because it's important the prestige uh synopsis from imdb after a tragic accident, two stage magicians engage in a battle to create the ultimate illusion while sacrificing everything they have to outwit each other. What's amazing about that? They're illusions, Michael. They're illusions. The That is the plot. And if you just read that, it's like, okay, cool. It is. It's, it is the, it's all in the execution. It is entirely accurate to say that that is the plot and it's at the same time, entirely missed the point of the whole movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. A hundred percent agree. And that's just like it's so it's it's so much more than that. But that's that's enough to be like, okay, cool. This this could be fun. If you if you read that synopsis and you're like, oh, I could watch a magician movie, and then you sit like, let's say you never heard of this movie at all, right? <laughs> you read that synopsis, you're like, I I like magicians. I like magic. Sure. And you put this on, you'll just like. You'll feel like you're high, like your head <laughs> will explode, like because there's so much depth. What the fuck is going yeah. on? They're doing what? <laughs> and it's every everything that happened to this movie is just it's just unbelievable. The and the the characters themselves and like exploring them is just 
it's it's just such an entertaining film to watch. I don't want to beat around the bush for too much longer. Is there anything more you want to say before we stop being careful? Um, I don't think so. Then let's dive in. All right, we're in full spoiler territory. I mean, movie came out in 2006. You should have seen it by now. Honestly, if you're if you're listening to this show and you enjoy us, you will love this movie. So, go. and just to reaffirm what we discussed, I think last week when we teased that we might be doing this one next, this is, I think, the best Nolan film. I really don't think it's that close, actually. Um, and I love his movies, and he's made a bunch of great movies. I think that the sum total of all the whether it be the acting, the direction, the story itself, the execution of, of the, the plot and plot twist. This is his best movie. Maybe. I'm not, it doesn't I, have the hype of an Inception or the cult following of the Batman movies or the batshit insanity of Interstellar, but right. this is his best movie. I'm on the fence between this and Memento, I think. Because Memento, okay. I, Memento's a very special movie. That might be the boldest of his movies, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it's the best movie. Okay. Yeah, that's a, all right. I, I, I like your phrasing there. If you take all of his movies and you rank them based on a bunch of different categories, this one grades the highest across the sum of the categories. That's fair. I think that's fair. And this, oh my God, I can't, I can't. I love this movie so much. All right, so we're, we're diving in. We're absolutely diving. And that is, I agree with that now that you're saying it. It's, it's, it makes a lot of sense. There is, you're right. Memento is bold. It's very different. Yes. You could, you could rewatch Memento every few years, but I feel like you could rewatch this movie every year and find a little something you missed or, or like really like focus on one character and realize how amazing they pulled that off. Or like, just oh man, you 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 might be right. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to do the Christopher Nolan audit. I'm gonna have to go through all the movies. But <laughs> I you make a you you do make a good argument. There's so much happening in this movie, and the, and yet so little and so little. Right, like <laughs> right because like the plot mentioned, like that's that's the ba- like if you want to dumb it down, that's the plot. Two magicians fighting to make. The best illusion. They're guys, bound by some argument, tragedy. Hate each other, competing, subterfuge, end. So the oh my goodness. So the let's talk about the the pledge, the turn, and the prestige. As Michael, as Sir Michael Caine. I don't know so why, much. even though it's the simplest and most common of the words, I always forget the turn is the second. I always remember the pledge is the first, <laughs> and the prestige is the third. And I always forget what the, the middle stage is called. Even though it is the most common and mundane of the words. So, again, we're in full spoiler territories because I'm going to pitch something to you that I'm curious if you agree or like want to maybe change some of these out for me. So this is full spoiler territory. The things that I'm about to say ruin the movie. Okay? <laughs> so, so I'm giving you clear warnings right now. So I was thinking about it after I watched it. And again, and I was thinking about the pledge being... Um, Robert's going to destroy Alfred. Like he's I feel like he's pledged to do that from the minute his wife died. The okay. turn is when you have you have all these ups and downs and you're like constantly gasping for air as like 
the the twists and turns and how Alfred dupes him and like it's just incredible and the turn at the point where he flips it he literally turns it around on him uses the exact same tactic and gets Alfred killed I, you had two turns in there there's the I had two yeah what do you mean you said the pledge the turn and the turn <laughs> no no the, no the pledge was he's going to destroy Alfred the okay. turn is how he turns Alfred's whole thing around and uses the exact same thing on him to okay. actually get Alfred killed. Okay. And then the prestige is when Alfred returns. Yeah, I suppose that would be how you would describe it, yes. Right, right. And what the I... The thing have... is, this movie is complex enough that you can do that three-act structure of the magic trick and change out things in multiple different ways yeah, i think 100% you could do it you could do it for each act of the movie you could do it for the three acts of the movie you you, yeah. could, you could do it for each character for themselves like yeah. it's it's absolutely insane but like that's for me that's like the biggest the biggest one across like that's the that's what really ties the whole it really ties the film together like much like the rug <laughs> but uh the Oh my goodness! I I'm so excited about this because I, I we talked about this the other day, and I I had said I've said it on numerous shows. There's a line in this movie though that kills me every time. It's so perfect, so well executed, and it's. Do you have any last words? Abracadabra, slam! And I'm just like, when that happens, I just go, oh my god! <laughs> like every every time, like it's so well done and it's so powerful in that moment. And I absolutely love it. The incredible thing about it is that the the payoff to that line, they make you wait for it. They make you wait for it, and he knows he's paying. He's oh my god, this is incredible. He's put this up this his entire life. He's he's been driving towards this moment of this reveal. His entire life, and he's not going to get to see it. He, which is another incredible line. He is taking the bow beneath the stage, which, mm-hmm. like, and it's, it's making that connection that like it's, it, it sends shivers through my body because like you know like that's what they were getting at, and it's you know like, you, you know what it was is is, it's it's not that moment. It's when he's when they're talking about it um, as he's explaining it to Angier at the very end mm-hmm. that just shows you the absolute. It's the first time you see real emotion from Borden in the sense of his true feelings on the craft itself. Mm-hmm. He says, how did you do it? And he says, we both did. And the smile comes across his face. Like, yeah. you know, who took the applause? He said, we both did. Yeah. And he smiles. And it's like, fuck you. We figured it out. You're a selfish asshole who's always had the wool over his eyes even though you thought you were the magician the whole time right oh so good and it, it's oh. a fucking dagger in him after he's already shot him in the gut like right right and it's like it's a feeling of like we did it and nobody is ever going to know and also like think about what he's dealing with my wife has killed herself my brother is dead and this is the sole bit of thing that I can hold on to and really relish in is you, the other quote unquote master illusionist, didn't get it. Fuck you. <laughs> right. Right. It's so it's so good. It's just it's such a like just a 
dig and a twist of the knife at the yes. end there. And you're right. Like he he gets that satisfaction at the end. Um, whether it, you know, obviously it's bittersweet. He does get to, you know, leave with the daughter and it's eight or niece, but, but it's, no, it's, it's his daughter. It's his, right. Sorry. It's his daughter. So like, but you, oh my goodness. It's, it's just so incredible. So the, um, but like I said, I was saying the, he, him taking the bow under the stage because he makes that comment about, mm-hmm. um, the, about Robert earlier because he is he he figured out like he understands like what's going on with his trick and the and the devil and all that stuff and it's and he's fully committed to to this trick and when well, i yeah, that's the line he says to olivia right you know how does he feel about taking a bow under the stage yes yeah and either he says it to her or does he say it to him he says it to her okay that's when she's trying to get into his yeah, confidence yeah. And he's like right. i see I don't need you. I know the secret to the trick. You don't. I know the secret to his trick. But this is one of those things. This is one of those lines and one of those, um, well, one of those through lines through the whole movie where you, if you really think back after watching it again, or like if you're rewatching it after you hear this, he, he admires the ability for someone to pull this off their entire, like to make that the whole trick and never reveal it. He loves, he understands how important it is. Well, we know, we, we know he does because of what he says after watching the, the older uh, right. Chinese guy. Right. It's, and you know, what's funny about that in that moment, I feel like he probably has some hesitation. still. he's still a young magician at that time. And he's, he's building towards something and I feel like he is kind of second guessing himself because he's getting frustrated. But when he sees him and he realizes that's the trick, like the old man is pretending to be crippled just so that he could pull this trick off. And he like he acknowledges that and he's like, I'm doing it right. Well, it's 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 the other thing. It's what they're telling you, even though you're too blind to see it. He's telling you right then and there. Yeah. It's just well, it's not that you're too blind to see it. How could you know at that point? You know right. what I mean? If you were if you were astute enough, you could understand the gravity of that statement without being able to figure out the details of how it would be delivered. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You could understand, okay, this is it. This is the crux, even though you didn't know about the twin yet. Mm-hmm. Oh. But it's incredible. It's like you said, it's like, are you watching closely? It, That's it. They're telling you, practically screaming it at times. In your, face, not, in your face the whole time. Not the specifics per se, but they're screaming to you, there's something going on. Can you see it? And if the most the it's most apparent in the lines from the wife, when you have the I love you, oh, I could t- I, you mean it today or not today. And yeah. she knows there's something different. And like, yeah, obviously, she figures out what's going on by the end. But the it, no, I don't think she, she does. I, I, I think I do think she does. I think if she figured it out, she would have said something. She wouldn't have killed herself. No, I think she figured it out. She understands how important it is to him. She does love her husband. This is this is my take on it. Obviously, she does love her husband. She's she's tormented by this whole thing and. I think she's got she has these crazy mixed emotions about her life being alive because of the times that 
it wasn't actually him. And I think she's broken by the whole experience. I do think she's figured it out by the end. See, I don't think she... I think she's figured out that the the idea, like the whole thing with the, the sincerity of like, you know, you mean it today or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think she's realized that, yes, he does love her, but that that sort of inconsistency isn't enough for her. But I think to a certain extent, she's a surrogate for the audience in that you can identify that there's something more going on, but you can't identify what. Maybe. And that's what drove her mad. That I could, yeah, that's that's a totally fair take. That might be the case. I there's another part of it though that I think is interesting is that everybody that everybody that knows dies. If you think about her knowing, she dies she, when she she no because out, Cutter figures it out. That's that's I that's the I guess the yeah that's true. He does he does well he. He's the only one that's figured it out, but he knows early. He knows really. No, no, early. no. But the thing is, at the end, he knows knows. Mm. He knows that there are two Bordens. That's uh, that's true. Because he helps him get her his daughter back. But doesn't he doesn't he know super early when he's telling him that it's a double? He doesn't know. He just says that he's using a double. Yeah. Because the thing is, they capture Fallon, and he never identifies Fallon as being the other Borden. He helps Angier capture Fallon. Remember, he gets shot in the shoulder. That's true. You're right. You're right. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, that... that, Let's pause on that for a second. Uh, Fallon, they... That's another thing. It's in front of you the entire time. Like, you know... You gotta know. Right when you go back and watch it, you know that this guy is there's something odd about him. There's a reason he's not speaking. There's a reason he's kind of in the shadows. You know that. Well, that's, this is... that's what it was that I was alluding to without trying to say it earlier. Is that I I knew I knew that Fallon was the crux of it because mm-hmm. of the way they were handling him, but I just couldn't make the leap to there being a literally a second one of him and that it was him. Mm-hmm. I knew that his importance to the story was significantly more than what he was. Yeah. And they zoom in on his face, but that's actually a point of mine. The costumery in this movie is fucking incredible. Yeah. Because for the life of me, I know it's Christian Bale, and I still can't identify it as Christian Bale. Yeah. That's <laughs> like you can freeze frame that one scene where they zoom in on his face. They only do it one time. And I still couldn't actually identify for you that it's Christian Bale, even though I know it's him under all of that makeup and shit. Right. And there's a, oh my God, that's so funny. And I, sorry, just bring me back to another piece of it, which is where um, the Scarlett Johansson character, I forget what her name was. Olivia. Olivia. She says, I, it's the same guy. You look at his glove. Like you could see like he's missing with two fingers. And again, if you're, if you're trying to justify it, you're thinking, oh, like it's a simpler time. It's older. Like you're, you're taking that as fact. Like, Clearly, only one man doesn't have the two fingers. It's so obvious. Like it's just like okay, so like they make they went all they went all the way. This guy cut his fingers off, and well, it's, and that's an, again another incredible way that it was executed, right? Uh, sacrifice. I don't understand sacrifice as they show the two of them, and I'm like, no. Yeah. Or how about <laughs> how about when right before it all happens, like and they do the reveal? I was like, wait, like when you realize it's oh, it's a twin. The first thing that jumps to my mind was the line where the wife says. It looks just as bad as it did a week ago. 
Yes. And I was like, oh! and then they show you it. I was like, oh! <laughs> that's what should have been. It's it's again, it's a misdirection. It's like, yeah, that's a throwaway line, right? It's, you know, one of those we're frustrated, we're confused, uh, pain, humiliation, this and that. And no, it looks just as bad as yesterday because he fucking did it again. <laughs> right. And you know, what's a, one of my other favorite parts of this is you have the Robert character who. Like, they, they give you the ridiculous, right? They give you this Tesla cloning machine, right? This absurd situation where there's a machine that clones this man who he then kills someone every night, right? They're, this is the ridiculous thing, but the trick that is really crazy is just so much simpler. Yep. <laughs> like, it's, and it's, it's like you're like fascinated by this absurd thing that's going on you're like wow the real twist is as simple as he's a twin and they kept it in hiding this entire movie is an extended metaphor for the principle of occam's razor as opposed to trying to build a better mousetrap <laughs> like the whole the answer is there in front of you the, the the principle of occam's razor if you're not familiar with is the simplest solution is usually the right one the simplest solution is it's a double. That yeah. was the right answer. Yep. They just didn't understand the it's extension. It's a bloody double. <laughs> to it. And instead, he builds this fucking insane magical machine that creates copies of him repeatedly over and over, resulting in the murders of clones over and over again. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I've always had a lot of trouble with. Yeah. That's it. It's. I've seen people try to explain it, and I don't think. It seems like a plot hole to me. What, that you never know which one's going in or something like that? that yes, that, that whole thing? Yeah. It doesn't work. The math doesn't work. No. Because the whole principle is that it's him who survives and he always kills the clone because they show you the, the scene where he does it and then he pulls the gun and he shoots him. And I was like, but he keeps dropping into the water and dying. And then I saw it explained. No, he drops into the water to break his fall because of that time that he they moved the the the, the couch and he broke his leg, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens is at the end of the show, he then puts the body of the clone in the thing. But at the very last thing, that has to be him who dies because he falls right into the thing. Mm-hmm. That is a plot hole. <laughs> yeah, that that piece I did find to be a little confusing, and it's like. What I, what I don't understand is maybe what maybe he says something about like I never know which one right he's like gonna go into. The... Well, the whole thing is if you tip your hand, it's human instinct to defend yourself, and the clone may kill you and put you in the box. You know what I mean? Right, but then doesn't he? I feel like if I can't remember the exact line, but I feel like he says something about like not knowing whether it's like whether it's really me going into the box. Yes, but. That is, you're right. I feel like I do believe that that is one of the plot holes because what I believe has to happen is he has to explain to the person the trick, let them think they're going to be just safe, and they'll fall into the box. And he makes his peace with that, and that's really what has to be happening, especially because of the line towards the end with Michael Caine where he says, um, "Do you remember what I told you about the sailor who said he was drowning?" Mm-hmm. He says, "Yes." It says he feels like it's going home, and he tells him, "I lied." He said it was agony, and that 
Oh my god, is that a gut punch? That, that was the most brutal thing that happens. The most brutal thing said in the whole movie. It really was. It really was. It's it's awful, and it's he's like you're like you're a terrible person. Like you're even though it's and this is the only way that I can hurt you because you clearly don't care about anything or anyone. Yeah. Oh wait, there was that one person you cared about. Your wife, remember her? Yeah. Yeah. She died in agony. Fuck you. Right. And it's absolutely it's brutal when he delivers that line, and it's just like it's a knockout punch. As it happens, I'm just like, I feel like if, if you're watching with a group of people, someone's going, oh, <laughs> right? Like, it's just, it's so intense. But uh, what if you, ju- jumping back to that scene, right, of the wife dying in the in the, um, in the the tank, one of the things that I, that don't let me this time watching it was when uh, Alfred goes to see him or her or who, like at the funeral and he, uh, Robert's yelling at Alfred. He's like, how could you not know? Like, he's like, did you, like, which knot did you tie? How could you not know? He's like, I don't know. He's, it's not the one that tied the knot that is yes. in that room. Because he's being honest that he does not know. Mm-hmm. And his brother never told him. And it's just brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Do like, you, is that the one secret that the two of them kept from each other? Maybe. To... And like it's it's a character flaw, like it's it is a flaw in some degree because um, it's not a character flaw. It's like it's a it's a good thing. Like they were trying. It's almost like a, the brother trying to protect the other one, right? Yeah. But you can see there are yes, there there is a line drawn, and it is at it is at human life. They they both if especially if it was two different ones when the wife dies, like they're clearly broken up about it. Both brothers. And when uh, Robert falls into the tank, he is he is mortified, not for his own like what might happen to him, like persecution wise. He's he's like this man is dying in front of me. Like he's legit, even though he's like trying to destroy him throughout the movie. Oh yeah, because like you said, there there was a line. He wanted to humiliate him and destroy him, but he he didn't ever view himself as a murderer, right? Because he hadn't. Well, he hadn't intended to murder anyone, at least. Yeah, and it's just, and I wonder in that moment, it, it is curious to me if the person that was there when Robert falls into the tank is the same person that tied the knot, and it's that powerful because it's um, it's almost like a PTSD kind of thing. Yes, it has to be because it's Fallon, the actual Fallon, the second one who's not quote-unquote Alfred, the one who's who didn't fall in love with Olivia. Sorry, the one who didn't fall in love with Sarah, the quote-unquote true Alfred, is the one who gets arrested. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, is it his his daughter or his niece? It's the we'll call him Fallon, despite the fact that they're the twin brothers or whatever. They're the same person. It's the Fallon character who is there because he's the one who gets arrested. And he's the one who gets killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 then in that case, it would make sense. He's the one who tied the knot, but he's not the one who went to the funeral. Right. Oh my goodness. It's it's so intense. The movie's so good. The more I think about it, the more I love it. It's so well done. It's so dark. Let's let's talk about that actually part of it, the, the reveal about the, the fact that it's a twin or whatever. Several times, the first couple of times I saw that movie, it was lost on me. I don't know if it, just every time I happened to not have great audio. But 
I didn't realize, and this actually could open an avenue for another plot, plot flaw for me, unfortunately. Um, the first couple of times, I didn't realize that they were twin brothers. And Angier says, a brother, a twin? I, I'm serious. I'm I've probably the first four or five times I saw the movie, I never understood what the fuck he was saying. <laughs> because he's like choking it out after having just been shot and yeah. whispered, right? And it's whispered out into the air because... Alfred is walking towards him from a distance. Yeah. So I didn't, I always thought it was a clone. Oh, really? What I thought happened was they got the machine. Uh huh. They did the trick, created a clone. And because he's not a psychopath, he didn't murder the clone. Right. <laughs> right. And they just decided, well, do you know how much easier being a magician is going to be now with two of us? Right. Let's be best friends. You know, yeah. it's like a stepbrother. We just, Are, become, we best just become best friends. Like, <laughs> and I, like, I think, you know, if that was what happened, it's a perfectly valid sequence sure. of events, right? Um, and eventually down the line, I realized what he was saying was a brother, a twin, and that Alfred confirms it. And I was like, even though he doesn't say yes, you know, because it's like, let's leave something up to the audience to like pay attention or be able to hear unlike me, I guess. Um, that actually opens up an issue for me because the whole thing is he leads him on this wild goose chase to Tesla and this and that. And that's where he ends up getting the machine and it doesn't work the way he expects. Doesn't that seem like quite a serendipitous series of events? E maybe. So, you I understand think, the problem I'm having. I do. It's like, how did he, like, yeah, yes. But That's a problem. Is it, though? Because there's, as crazy as they both are, Alfred and Fallon are more grounded human beings than Robert is. And I think that Tesla may, I, I think they do know what Tesla's working on. And I do think, I feel like he probably did get that far. And when Tesla had that conversation with him, the same conversation that he had with Robert, like to, to walk away from this, that he did. But how would, how would he know what it was that he was working on? <sighs> I'd have to go back because, and specifically pay attention to that aspect. Because doesn't Tesla say... These things never quite work out the way you expect. Yes. I set out to build you one thing, and this is what came out. They didn't understand the hat thing for months. They didn't understand that it was creating a second person or second thing until the, the, the cat. There was two cats now. That's the only time they finally describe it or to discover it. Well, and the whole thing was they were not trying to build a transported man or a duplicated man. They were trying to build a perpetual motion device thing to create limitless sustainable energy that was what they were trying to create oh yes but i do think the same that tesla seems like a very tormented man and i it, whether it was the exact same thing or something equally um morally obfuscated like may i feel like that he uh, that alfred Alfred slash Fallon had some sort of interaction with him and walked away, realizing that you can go too far. Sure, but that presupposes that you know about his secret project that he was trying to keep secret. 
from the government and from Edison because he was his rival and trying to destroy him, whether it be financially, entrepreneurially, or physically. So you're like talking about layers of secrecy, which mm-hmm. admittedly we're talking about this magician who's committed and this and that, and but he's come. He doesn't come from money like Angier does. So how does he know about this guy in the U.S.? This is pre-internet. This is the turn of the century, 1900. He knows about this guy's secret project to create this energy device in a different country. Nikola Tesla was a very famous person. I understand that he would be aware of his existence Mm -hmm. and maybe that he was working on this project. But how he could get to the point where he would understand that it would create this thing that was two people – the, the strictest reading of this is, what you, is the whole thing was he knows he's going to break in and steal his thing. So he leads him on a wild goose chase to the U.S. that's not going to give him what he wants and is going to waste a ton of money and time while he is establishing himself unrivaled in London as the finest illusionist with his trick, the transported man. And oh, by the way, I stole your assistant who's going to give me the theatrics I need to make me that person. And then the guy goes up and he creates this device. It doesn't work. Or if he knew about this device, it seems odd that, one, he could discover it, and two, why would he send him to the one thing that could possibly rival it? I understand it could be a long-con thing, and it ultimately was, and destroyed it. Yeah. But then if that was the case, then there should never be a Fallon underneath trying to figure out what's going on with the bodies. Right. That would set up the murder conviction. Because they would know that they got this device that creates extra people... So is it is it wild coincidence then? And do you have that's to what I'm saying? This is way that? too serendipitous. Yeah, and that's why the first several times I watched it, I thought the whole thing was I thought, okay, he went to Tesla, they built this thing, he created one copy copy of it, they destroyed it. I don't need a million clones of me running around. I'm not going to kill my clone because he's super useful to me. And the two of us are the same person. Let's do this trick. And he happened to steal the thing and go and get himself another device, even though it was kind of a trap. It doesn't – something isn't working. Okay, what if there's a missing piece, like a a missing 30 minutes of the movie or something like that, where Alfred and brother are trying to understand how Robert's pulling his – act off they're not buying the like the initial reaction is not a uh it's a double and they they find the smartest man they can think of to see if it's a possibility and they basically get a null answer like it's no it's not so they fall back on like this is obviously this is speculation i'm filling in a gap like with uh, no i understand this is you theorizing right trying to make it work right so they they realize, okay, the only other explanation that if, if science can't explain that, then it must be a double, right? Like using, like trying to deduce that, like the proof that it's a double. Wait, so who, who's doing this? Alfred and, and his, uh, and his brother. Okay. Right. So they, maybe, maybe they talk to Tesla. Maybe they get this. Like, maybe they're talking to him. Like, is this right now? Is this possible? Can this be done? Can a man be transported from one place to another? Tesla's maybe Tesla gives him the answer of no, it can't, but he's nuts and like he's a crazy scientist and that gets his wheels turning. 
So now he's like obsessed with trying to do this himself. And because Alfred and Fallon know that it can't be done, that's why they set up the wild goose chase. And they know that he's going to go there. And it, maybe they don't, maybe it works out better than they expect. Maybe Tesla is so nuts that, oh, wow, you actually are staying there for months because you're stupid. <laughs> and, and he did, like, it, it could, that could work. It's not, it's not, I don't, there's not enough to point to that actually being uh, the uh, case, though. Uh, again, too much serendipity. It's like, yeah. you know, oh, this guy's really into alchemy. <laughs> there's that guy over there. He's really into alchemy, even though everyone knows you can't turn lead into gold. And then he finally turns lead into gold. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, I feel like that. Honestly, like if I have to, if I have to like accept that, I can just because of like what you said. Like, why would he be under the stage trying to figure it out if not if he knew for sure? Yes. So <clears throat> that could be that could be it. And like you see, and the other the other reason why that might make sense is how many times this has to try and fail. Maybe when Alfred saw this, he's like, "Oh, this guy is a phony. Like he doesn't know shit." And that could be that could be enough of a reason to push Robert towards him. I don't know. It just seems like if your idea was just to fuck with him, mm-hmm. you could have sent him anywhere else in the world. But I like if you want to, you want to make somebody believe something. So like he made him believe that this guy could do it. And so that kind of goes along with the lines of of making the audience believe something. As I guess so, it just seems like it's it doesn't work. It doesn't work because there's no proof of it in the movie. It could be it could be a a good enough solution. I agree that it doesn't. There's no there's nothing to actually lead us to that as a conclusion. Yeah, it just it was one of those things where when I finally like put was like oh wait they were twins it wasn't a copy. It created this issue for me. I'm sure. Like, no, that, that I mean that makes total sense. I I am curious. Do you know if there are, are there deleted scenes from this? I'm not sure, but I will I'll say have to though, because I, I don't regret it. I don't regret it because it would re- it would deprive us of one of uh, like an odd couple pairing of David Bowie and Andy Circus. Oh my god! <laughs> I love Andy Circus. Like if you picked, you could not pick. Or maybe you could, but there's got to be a very short list of two randomer actors to pair together in a role. Yeah, it's so bizarre. But they they both kill it. Like they both kill their respective unique characters. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've we've talked about him, like especially with Black Panther. I'm a big fan of Andy Serkis. I yeah. don't know why he doesn't get more roles because it's like. I get, like, originally it's a typecast thing. Like, oh, you're Gollum, like, whatever. Like, you'll do the motion capture stuff in Hollywood. Like, that'll just be your job. Mm-hmm. Like, no, he's a good actor. Oh, he's fantastic. Like, he is absolutely fantastic. He's the, and in this movie, he's the Igor to Bowie's, like, Dr. Frankenstein. And, oh, my God. But his, in Black Panther, he's, like, tremendous. Yeah. Oh, and, honestly, role. I'm not super familiar with David Bowie's acting work. I've never seen Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Um but he was good in this role as playing yeah. this enigmatic and, you know, also showing a little flair for the dramatic, which is the Bowie way, obviously. He's tormented and eccentric. Yes. And it's just, it's he's just not perfect. crazy. He's eccentric. 
<laughs> I can do whatever I want. I'm eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I this movie kills me. It's so good. I uh, well, we're on, while we're on the, the the topic of performances, um, I I think we might have talked about it on the air last week. I, I forget. I think that this is if I had to pick any one role for both Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman, I think this is their finest work. This is this is definitely Christian Bale's finest. Yes. I'm trying to think. It may it may be Hugh Jackman's. Yeah, I think what I had said was that Logan would be the only thing yeah. I would offer up as a potential for beating it out. Yeah, Logan's pretty pretty solid. And to be clear, guys, we're talking about Logan the movie, not right. just his right. portrayal of Logan throughout the course of time, specifically in that movie. Yeah, you might you might be right. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I saw every one of each of their movies, but I've seen most of their most well known like known like works. I haven't seen is it the mechanic? not the mechanic, the machinist? Is that what it was? The, the Yeah. The Christian Bale movie was he was nominated for that, right? I don't remember. I don't think he won, but I think he was nominated for that. Um, and I've never seen it, so maybe people would choose that over it. But of all his like really big roles, um, I I would I would take this. This one is the this is the best thing that I've seen Christian Bale in. Yes, this is yeah I. I would agree with that 100. I the more I think about it, I I might feel the same way about Hugh Jackman. I am on the fence. Uh, he's incredible in Logan, and um, you'll you might laugh, but I actually think that he's fantastic in The Greatest Showman. I'm I won't laugh because I know people liked it. I didn't see the movie. Um, I kind of on principle, and that's neither here nor there really. Mm-hmm. Um, I just it didn't seem like the type of movie that would be that sort of thing. Um, where it would be like, oh, this is his finest work. Um, but I'm I'm not gonna like shoot it down, not having seen it. Yeah. Um, it's, I, it's I looked tough. up. I looked up real quick. Um, he won for supporting actor in The Fighter. This is Christian Bale, and he was nominated for American Hustle and The Big Short. Oh my god! I forgot about those. Those were uh, two. I, those were two very solid movies. I actually didn't know that he was in the Big Short. I never yeah. got around to seeing that. That was that was um, really good. And I kind of forgot he was nominated for American Hustle. He was really really good in that too. He, he was. I absolutely. You absolutely hate him in that movie. But he in is, American he is, Hustle. Yeah, but he's good in it. I mean, he's not the most hateable in that that's, movie, but that's true. He is hateable. Um, yeah, but this is this role though. This role is where it's at. I. This role for the abracadabra line alone—it's <laughs> so good. Like I can't, I can't stress this enough. Like that is that line is incredible in this movie, and it's just it's it carries so much weight. It's just, I mean, when you think about it, like the what they do to you is right. You you root for this again. It's a magic trick. You're rooting for Hugh Jackman, the beginning of the movie, yep. and you want to hate Christian Bale. And by the time it's done, those things have completely and 100% flip-flopped. Yep. It's a full 180, and part of it is the writing of the story, but part of it is their own portrayal, right? It's, oh, this man seems like a nice, wholesome guy. He's got his wife. They're, they're doing their thing, and you feel so bad for him. And it's like, oh, my God, he is a brutal monster with this arrogance that he's 
you know, guiding him this whole way. Yep. And on the other hand, it's, oh, this guy is cold and possibly a murderer and this and that. And it's like, no, he's a real human. He's two humans who are trying, you know, they're artists, right? And that's where the coldness comes from. And it's, okay, you can agree or disagree or quibble around the lines of all that, but there's real humanity and the loss of his brother and his wife and the 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 look at he's got a glimpse of losing his daughter too is the last thing left to him and that's what seems to break him right where he gives up the trick to to Angier and it's what it drives the, the Alfred himself the one who survived the end is I love my daughter I'm right. I'm going to do whatever it takes to be there for my daughter oh, man. it's so good so good I, I freaking love it the the last note that i have written down here is love hexagon <laughs> and <laughs> that's a that is uh alfred fallon robert sarah <laughs> olivia olivia julia julia yeah so it, it's interesting because like you have like you know you have all these connections in the end you have the 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 man the woman the man loves the woman the woman's gone the woman loves the man the man's actually gone the man was in love with the woman the woman died and he hasn't you know he hasn't been able to reconcile that since and then he finally dies to join her and like in the end like all the the relationships are all broken by the end so broken and it's it's, it's kind of weird that Olivia just disappears. It's it is a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was one of those things where I was like, I don't really know how to include her anymore, so she's just gonna go away now. It's da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> look at the butterfly. <laughs> Do um does she know by the end? No. I don't think so either. The she's thing a, is, it's she's weird. She's a home wrecking uh, hua. <laughs> what? Well, the, it's it's weird because when he go when she brings Alfred's journal to Angier, she kind of like casually throws it away. Oh, he's a he's a he's got a double. Well, how do you know? He goes, oh, there's you know, the stuff backstage. It doesn't really matter, you know. And he goes, you know, how do you know? He leaves it out, you know, to, to, keep, to keep you fooled, thinking it is, you know. And she goes, all the time? And he goes, all the time. It's the one, one time that he showed a bit of learning and knowledge and all that, right? Was, mm-hmm. he, he actually ultimately did take to heart what Alfred said about the Chinese magician, about living the trick, right? Yeah. Because he, he says all the time. And she doesn't even understand the commitment of this man who she's working with so very closely on this thing, right? Uh-huh. Which I found incredible. It's like the one little bit that he really did learn throughout the course of it, and it was the most important thing. He just didn't get the whole lesson. Yeah. I thought that was kind of an interesting, like, nugget to all of this. But how, what does this movie make you feel about Scarlett Johansson? Um, the character that she plays or her as an actress? No, her as an actress. 
Uh, I don't have much of much to say. Well, the thing on is, on this role, this movie is kind of in the same. Like we were talking about Franco earlier, where like I can't tell if he's a good actor or not. I can't tell if she's a good actress or not. I there's not been a thing that I've seen her in where I've went, "Wow, she's a great actress." I feel like people want to sell her as a good actress, and I, I wouldn't say she's a bad actress, but I don't know if she's a good actress. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I've I've never really been sold on her. It's it's interesting. I mean, she she's become. I guess she's one of the hardest working actresses in the business. Mm-hmm. She is the highest earning actress of the last couple of years. Yeah, let me, hang on. I'm going to pull her up for a second and see if there's something. She certainly has made a lot of savvy career moves. And there's moments in certain roles where I was like, huh, there's something there. But I've not seen a role that has made me be like, yeah, she fucking knocked that out of the park. Like, she nailed right. it. Like, she's like really good actress but there's also never been a role where i'm like ew she sucks either you know what i right. mean right yeah no i i hear you on that i just I, I don't like that sort of nebulous indecision i like i want to i feel like i want to know and i <laughs> right. i'm not being allowed to and know. i don't <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not i've never there's there's never been anything that she's been there where i was like wow she was absolutely incredible in that um but i do i get that vibe that like you that she is highly regarded and it's yes i don't see it personally i don't have a problem with it i'm just confused i think she's a little robotic in this movie at times but i think also part of that was and that's why i was asking i think some of it was the struggle to create a believable british accent which yeah. is tough for americans to do for whatever sure. they can a lot of british actors and actresses nail american accents but Americans really struggle. It's pretty rare to see a good British accent from an American actor or actress. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I wonder really... I wondered if whether the, the times where she seems a bit stiff is struggling when the focus and the spotlight is on her to give you a really good, believable British accent, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it could be. The one movie I, I didn't see that I always wanted to that I, I thought she was supposed to be fairly well regarded, and I guess it's kind of a curious choice. I never saw her. Neither have I. I, I did want to see that. And it's voice acting, but still, that's a big part of it, and you can crush a voice acting role, and that's a, a kudos to you. I mean, is it like a full credit in the sense of doing a full role? Maybe not, but it still is a point in your ledger, you know what I mean? Yeah, I it, it's... Sorry, this is like one thing that is stuck in my head right now that I have to share with you. All I can think about right now is sun's getting real low. And, <laughs> but not her saying it. Chris, Chris Hemsworth doing it. <laughs> no, not even that. Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool 2. <laughs> As he's getting strangled, sun's getting real low. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> but yes, I actually, I actually did forget about Chris Hemsworth saying it and how much he became a boss in that entire franchise. <laughs> I know. Just, oh my goodness. So of good. course he hit his stride at the end. Yeah. It's funny that you bring up Don't the Deadpool thing though because I have Deadpool 1 on on the screen right nice. now. And I was like, I almost broke and was like laughing earlier. The scene where um, he's got him handcuffed to him and he cuts off his own hand. I'm watching that muted, and it's a ridiculous scene to watch, period. Yep. But it's like 50 times more ridiculous without the audio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
I I just I just rewatched the second one the other day, and it's I think I laughed a lot more out of the second time than I did the first time. It's it's it is really a really funny movie. I you're still just, haven't seen you're just it again. Straight shirt think. cocking it. <laughs> <laughs> Like Winnie the Pooh. Oh my god. Anyway, this the prestige is just fabulous. Do you have anything more to say? No, I do want to like as we bring it home here. Um, I realized that I crushed the central like plot point of this movie a little while ago. Um, but that's like revelations I've made in the past. Like I still love this movie, even oh, yeah. though it's a little bit broken in the middle. Um. It's still a really fucking good movie. And it's it's kind of funny though, you know, a little bit broken in the middle, sure. If that's if that's actually the case, or if maybe something missed the mark. I I I believe that they I don't think that they make that many mistakes, those brothers, as they write these things. So I feel like they probably have an explanation for you. It might not have translated to screen. It's possible and they're, ad- they're adapting another thing because um, w- one little nugget I saw when I was reading into it earlier was, and I, I didn't really get a full synopsis or this and that, but um, the Fallon character doesn't exist in the book. Oh, interesting. But the explanation I saw was basically in page form where you only see what you're told. It doesn't need to be there. Right. But you have to have something to visually represent it on screen. Right. And that's why the character was kind of created. But the, the central thing was the case. It was the twin brothers who were hiding out this trick their whole life. You know what I mean? Sure. But you can withhold that information when the medium is only in text. The the last thing I'll say about that middle piece maybe being broken um, is actually kind of uh, adding on to what you said, this is something that you recognized before. You still love the movie. That plays in really nicely with this movie. Of the audience wants to be fooled, so like yes. you're willing to accept that because it's so good. Yes, and because uh, you don't want to look at the truth. That's what that was the whole thing he said, right? You know, maybe the that's maybe that's the point, and maybe that movie is that much more brilliant because of it. <laughs> uh, that's probably a bit too meta. But the thing is, anytime you shoot for the fucking moon like this, yeah. something is always going to not qu- Just the level of detail and specificity is always going to have. And maybe uh, the the translation thing might have been not even like you said that maybe there's a half is there half an hour somewhere extra that or if there was deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. It could be one of those things that works better in the novel form that's easier to maybe. describe that visually representing that. Like, it's the reverse of the Fallon thing, where it's easier to explain logically through the written word and hard to tell. It's hard to do visual storytelling of the issue. Mm -hmm. It's very possible. Now that I know it's a novel, maybe I might get around to trying to read it one day. Yeah. I think it's written in the 90s, I think. I'm definitely interested. It's it's really funny, because even with that, even with, like, leaving this open-ended piece there dangling that, like, you know, we're not sure about. For whatever reason, the word that comes to my mind with this movie is flawless. <laughs> like it's it's so like I like you're you're ta- we're talking about a flaw. The movie's flawless. <laughs> like, it's incredibly it. well crafted. I love it's it. It's super tight, even though there's so much going on. It's mostly a pretty small cast. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a very intimate affair, despite how big 
the scope of this is. So well done. Man, that's a good movie. All right, I've got I've got nothing less to say other than, you know, confessing my love for the movie over and over again. So, <laughs> anything else, sir? Uh, no, I think we covered most of the big stuff. Sweet. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. Thank you for joining us. If you want to keep the conversation going, uh, you can check us out on uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter. We're all over the place. But really what I would love to hear from you folks is if you got topics or if you got movies for us to cover, Send those requests into Flicks in a Six at spintune.com. That's Flicks in a Six at S P I N C H O O N.com. We'll be back next week for more movie and beer goodness. And with that, I'm Anthony Costanzo. He's Alessandro Bialsi. Until next time, cheers. And rate and review us. <laughs>